Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of The MinMax Show, a place about games, friends getting better. My name is Ben Hansen and I'm thanking you for being here. We're also joined by one Jacob Geller. Hello. Joined by Leo Vader. Hello. Joined by Jeff Marquiafava. That's me. Joined by Kyle Hilliard. There's so many of us today. Yeah, there is a lot. We are going to be cycling through a lot of folks in this episode and wouldn't it be kind of funny if we did an episode of the podcast where none of us were wearing headphones? And you just kind yeah. of had to guess, like, what, you, what we're talking about on this show? Jacob seems really passionate right now, so I'm going right. <laughs> to go off of that. I don't know what he's saying. but I think, just, just a biggest facial expression. And then we're all just saying, that's right, over and over again at Nauseam for a two-hour podcast. We got a lot. That's to, right. That's right. We got a lot to cover on this episode of the podcast, by God. Uh, Dead Island 2 has hit the streets. Uh, and we've been actually playing this legendary game, so we're going to share our full thoughts on that. Then there's a game released called Minecraft Legends, the RTS-style game. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, Disney Speedstorm, Disney's Mario Kart. Uh, Kyle and I are going to have the best conversation, the best, most thorough discussion about Disney Speedstorm on the Internet. It's coming up later in this show. <laughs> oh, so I, wasn't, like, I didn't prepare Kyle the three races you. I played. I don't what think the are gonna hell, be man? <laughs> uh, then we're talking Dredge, which we haven't really unpacked as a big group, and Sarah Pazorski is going to be joining us, Queen of the Damned herself. Then we're going to be talking about uh, Nintendo <laughs> Indie World, then the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Do you see this? Do you hear about this? Uh, and then some truly amazing uh, community questions in the back half of the show. Like, we got... I, I am just tumbled every time. Uh, we got like over 100 submissions for community questions this week. It's unbelievable. So thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon and uh, makes the show better each and every week by submitting so many great suggestions and all that fun stuff over there for the back half of the show. Um, I know what you're all thinking. I can feel you out there listening and watching. Um, you're all screaming, Horizon, burning shores, I'm burning to hear more about it. And to that we say, nay, um, just because uh, we haven't had a chance to really sink our teeth into it and play it uh, as much as we would want to. So we'll be talking about that next week. And then everybody's screaming, uh, it's Advance Wars week. Hello, Suriel Vasquez. Uh, yes, we'd love to cover Advance Wars next week. I think next week's going to be really exciting. There's a lot to talk about, but uh, hopefully we'll cover Advance Wars there. So everybody... I always uh, forget you have Superman hearing and are hearing everybody's tiny conversations <laughs> yeah. from around the world. That's why... Yeah, you know when I just look pain sometimes? Um, when yeah. YouTube comments are really flying in and I'm just kind of in a fetal position when you come out over to my house to see me? It's mainly because of that. I'm, I'm hearing too much of everybody. This it, is basically what the anime, uh, the disastrous life of Psyche K is about. Really? So, kind of. Yeah. So he has like the Superman hearing? Yeah, he can hear everybody all the time. It's it, but, quick plug for Psyche K, a very funny hey, anime about take a incredibly powerful psychic uh, high schooler and how it makes his life terrible <laughs> to have all the powers in the world. That's <laughs> also the plot of a good episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So just while we're plugging TV shows. Yeah, man. Jeffem, you got any TV to plug, man? Um, it's like an episode of... Uh, Family Ties, I think, too. It is. Timely. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the, the series finale for Family Ties is they reveal that Alex P. Keaton, is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that, yeah, he could hear uh, everybody's thoughts the entire time. He had powers the whole time. <laughs> That's yeah, right. It was devastating. All right, speaking of devastating powers, Dead Island 2, everybody. I, I am That's curious right. about this. Uh, we've all been playing this freaking thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Dead Island 2. Uh, you might remember it was revealed in 2014 uh, with a very good trailer of somebody running uh, in Santa Monica and then slowly being turned into a zombie and all that fun stuff. And that was back when I think 
Jaeger was developing it, who's the Spec Ops The Line team. Um, and the fun thing is, like, IGN had a gameplay video with, like, that original team, and they were outlining their vision for the game and how you're actually going to go to three different cities and all this wild stuff. Uh, and then it kept shifting hands. Sumo was developing it for a while. Now Dambuster Studios uh, actually finished it off, so hats off to them. Uh, the last game was Homefront the Revolution. But this is the... Sequel to the 2011 Jeffum, the open world zombie game. That feels right. Something like that. Okay. That yeah. You reviewed and for Game Informer, right, Jeffum? Um, I th- no, I think I may have done the second opinion on okay. it. Okay. All right. I, I think Tim. I think I played through the entire thing with Tim. A Tim. But I think okay. Tim. I'm looking it up. I mean, I think second opinions were gone at that point. But yeah, I would be curious. I always associate you with this game. Um, and so it's also it's notably not the sequel to Dying Light or Dying Light Two, which kind of came and ate Dead Island's lunch. You know, in terms <sighs> of cultural prominence for a while. And it's okay. And it's so, all, also shouldn't be confused with Dead Island Riptide, which. <laughs> <laughs> was a hey, which I played and beat. Wow! Great game. <laughs> or Escape from Dead Island. Did anybody play that one? That like I played it at a PAX, I think. Yeah. Is an isometric game that I think Tim Turry gave a two out of ten. Uh, that was a collective dream oh, wait, we all had. Is there an? Is, I was thinking of like the third person like mystery game. Is that the one? Is wait, there yet another Dead Island? I don't know because even in this game they talk about like the multiple infections that have happened in the past. And I was like, is this factoring in Escape from Dead Island? So yeah, this is a confusing and, thing where Techland, the original team that made the first Dead Island, they went off to make make Dying Light, which is kind of the spiritual successor in a way. And then there have been two of those in the time since Dead Island Two. All right, there it is. Uh, Minecraft Legends, Kyle. You've been playing that? What do you think about that? No. Uh, okay, uh, I have played just a couple hours of Dial Line 2. Uh, Jacob Geller, have you finished this thing? Is that right? I beat it. Jesus! It's, uh, it's not that long. Uh, you know, spoilers for our conversation, maybe. Okay, interesting. And everybody else is a couple hours in, or let's set the scene here. I've played like eight hours in three days or so, which is a lot for me. I'm really digging it. Really? Oh, that's I great. I think I'm about about that far into okay kylie uh, okay maybe i'm the least i'm probably like four like i'm in the movie studio um okay so i don't know what uh, that means to anybody but so am i reading this tone correctly based on glimpses of the internet and this general room is like better than we thought it was going to be and just kind of a solid b game is that the, is that the tone here i feel like it's exactly as good as i thought it would be because it is so similar to Dead Island one, but yeah. in like a, a pretty positive way, I guess. I guess the the surprising part is like it's a really solid game after being developed for like 10 years by three studios. Yeah, it's like it works really well. It doesn't like break constantly. <laughs> my big thing is like I, maybe my expectations were too low. But the thing that is surprising me is it's hooking me in more than like Dying Light 2 did. One hundred percent. Yep, I had that exact same thought. I'm like, what is it? What is it about Dying Light 2 that kind of rubbed me the wrong way while still being impressive? But I was like, I think it's just like the tone. Like this game having a more arcadey, silly tone to it compared to Dying Light. Like, I I promise I don't care about you characters in Dying Light 2. I just, I need to give you my guarantee. Uh, whereas this one, it's like, okay, it, it'll, it'll grow on you here. It doesn't take itself as seriously. Yeah. It's less complicated in in a way that I think I like, you know, it's just like objectively this game has way fewer systems than Dying Light 2, but I think that makes it more of kind of an easy breezy experience. Yeah, what and the- you're into it right away. Dying Light 2 is a lot of like 
check it out in 30 hours you'll be at this point in the skill tree and then you'll really be having some fun right. <laughs> but this game you're you're having fun with the base tool set which is great yeah what uh, what stands out to you about it jacob having finished this thing um i i i mean the the biggest standout thing and what i think these games have never got enough credit for is like the environmental design is kind of nuts in this game and just its level of like density and quality. Like I posted, I posted just some pictures of this on Twitter the other day and people were correctly saying like, this looks like a, an interior design render, you know, in just like how good the game looks and how incredibly detailed every space is where you like, you walk into a, a walk-in closet that has no story significance and for some reason it has been like designed within an inch of its life you know really? there are like plants and mirrors and like different clothes in the appropriate places and so like because because the zombie slapping around is so simple in a lot of ways i feel like I really just enjoyed like the locations themselves and it's just an incredibly good looking game and so walking around LA, sunny LA, uh, was like surprisingly engaging. I really liked the setting. Does anyone know what he's talking about when he says LA? I thought it was hell Oh, my bad. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Always make a Los Angeles. Yeah, so. please. <laughs> yeah, right. That's interesting to, to note how good looking it is. Um, yeah. I think it, it honestly strikes me as next gen in a way nothing I've played on my PS5 has and I haven't what? played some of the things maybe people would say, but it's <laughs> It's like the the systems, the physics on everybody at all times, the way people get knocked into the wall or spill over a piano or whatever, all looks so perfect. And also with the uh, elemental stuff, which I think is really interesting and far beyond like just a basic melee game is like their flesh being burned off with acid is so gradual. Like it looks so perfect and you're knocking their jaws off and it all just like it, it feels like their body is really flesh that you're just peeling apart in a disgusting way but it's so effective they're so it's, proud it's called the flesh system yeah oh there we go yeah they're so proud of that dismemberment like it made me laugh in the beginning there's like a character pinned under like a fuselage by a plane or something and then he turns into a zombie sorry spoilers for the beginning of dead on it too and then he's pinned down but he wants to bite you so bad that he's like rah, 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 and he rips his own body in half like the amount of i don't know how the physics work exactly for that but maybe zombie flesh is just so weak and goopy that you could just run on your arms enough to rip your body no, in half. You could but. do that right now if you were determined enough. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> God. If you really wanted to bite us, Hanson. <laughs> I'm not saying you're faking it right now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I get it, man. If you wanted to. Yeah, it's it when I when I first started playing it, um the combat seemed really wonky and and I didn't like it at all. But then hmm. I remembered, well, Jacob Geller has has like played the entire thing at this point. So there must be something here. Um, and it, it was really, it, when you get to some of the more systems and the, the physics and like elemental stuff that it got really interesting, kind of the base, the base combat. And if you see it um, in action, like it's, it's really weird, especially when you're, when you're swinging like heavy, uh, heavier weapons, it almost feels like you're like waving a wand at people and then they are just like flying off the screen. Like, like <laughs> it, it feels very disconnected in a, in a way where when you first start at that airplane, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like how, how did they ship it like this? But then, then when you, when you start to realize like 
Yes, it really is much more of just the the actual physics of it. Like you are you are once you unlock like the double foot like flying kick, right? Which is right, which is just yeah. the most satisfying and ridiculous thing. Like you're spending a lot of time just. Like you'll see a couple zombies coming towards you, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick into that guy. I'm gonna kick him into the other one. They're both gonna flop down on the ground. Then I'm just gonna like bash him in the head. Then I'm gonna go get that watering can that was back there. I'm just gonna kind of pour it all around them, and then I'm gonna grab a battery out of that car, and I'm just gonna <laughs> throw it at them and electrocute them all. Like it's, it's such an absurd little like very uber violent playground um and that's kind of where the fun has been for me yeah it feels that double almost foot a- kick is, is just so a drop kick, like, there's yeah. that whole there's an early scene where you can just kick zombies into an electrified pool yep and yep. it's like i was going out of my way to do that even though i would have been totally 100 yeah. with a stick you know it's so satisfying and it's like it's borderline immersive semi. I really think it's part of yeah. that genre, mm-hmm. which I don't see in a game with as satisfying combat or as much of an action focus very much. And I think that makes it really interesting. It truly does never get old chopping somebody up, electrifying them and then drop kicking them into a pool and killing all the zombies in it. Like it just is <laughs> a cool concept and doing it feels amazing because the controls are really weighty and solid. Another example of a good immersive sim moment was I picked Amy, who's all about throwing weapons to get stamina back because I love throwing weapons whenever it's an option. And so I'm fighting the zombie. I got no stamina left. I have to throw my sword I'm using and I chuck it and miss completely. But it spikes into this like power generator on the wall and sticks in it like wedges in it. And there's this explosion of electricity. And I realized the guy I was fighting was standing on a puddle. So that electricity electrified the puddle and killed the guy (laughs) completely on accident. I've always really admired how, and it's like, it's a thing that it's kind of a hump that you have to get over. And I've grown to appreciate it of like how weak these games start you. And this is, this is actually, it, it kind of works in dying light as well as this, but it's like your first weapons are always going to be like, a, a broken broom handle or like, you know, an ore or something. Right. And you start and it is so hard to kill, like even one zombie, you know, that you just you're just kind of like whacking them over and over. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you reach like, you know, the halfway point and beyond and you have access to like katanas or like a metal baseball bat or whatever, you feel like you've earned the ability to be kind of a zombie killer in such a more significant way than if they just started you out really powerful. You know, it's like when you get a sledgehammer and you can like knock a guy's torso off in one hit, it doesn't feel like that's like a throwaway weapon because like you remember all those times that you were you had like a broken piece of driftwood and you were trying to do the same thing. So they really the kind of power ramp is really satisfying. And on the power ramp, which I agree is great. You're seeing enemy levels when they matter, like if they're higher or lower than you or whatever, and you can take a fight and be fine unless you see like a skull, which means they're way higher level than you. That means they're probably going to pick you apart. But you can get around it within this game's combat by doing like the traps, by engaging with electrifying a pool or setting up, rolling an explosive barrel down a hill or whatever. It's like you can outsmart your way past the power gap in specific situations when you really are committed to it. And I think that's such a cool idea for an RPG type leveling thing. Uh, Am I just too early on? Like I was surprised early on that it's not full open world. It's just a couple of like small maps that you get out of the gate. Is it still kind of tutorial area? Then eventually we'll just go full open world LA or 
It's just a series no, of kind of those smaller maps. It is. It is smaller yeah. maps and more linear. In, That's like, interesting. It, it, it's it's a weird. It's weird to say that is li- like most areas you're you're put in a like a, a tiny mini open world. Um, but there are <laughs> yeah. there are like some pet like. A lot of the places you'll you'll go to like a mansion and then it's like there's a pretty linear way that you're going to go through this mansion and then you go to the next set piece an influencer house which was very amusing and you'll yeah. you'll kind of there are more you know some set ways through those areas um but it's it's one where I I ultimately I think would uh, most of the time prefer an open world but it it, it is that it is that choice it's that decision between an open world that doesn't always feel very authored and like this, the areas feel more authored each area that you go to, like when you go to into a mansion, it's like every single room is going to be modeled out. There aren't a lot of like, this is a fake doorway because we we're only doing 1% of this place that you're in. Right. Um, I, I don't know how much that carries through to no, the it, rest it, of them. It totally does. And I mean, it, it is that's kind of, I think in the original pitch for this game there are like three cities and you'll be able to go in you know every single room in all of them and it's like it's not three cities but when you get to like you know whatever beachfront town or whatever and there's kind of a main street with a bunch of stores on it like you can go in every store there are are like there are very few it, it, it almost like another zombie game, it kind of feels like Dead Rising in that it's like, hey, it's a mall, but like every single store in this mall is going to be like specific and interesting uh, where it just it, it's, you know, I kind of maybe it is not totally an open world, but it really worked for me just because of like how dense everything was. Yeah, super dense. Is anybody playing co-op? There, no, there and I haven't no. felt like I'm missing anything at all. I'm sure yeah. it would be fun in co-op, but it's like a totally good single player. Yeah, yeah. Although my character did say, hey, this would be a lot more fun to do it with a friend, which is a <laughs> weird tone for zombie apocalypse, but... Please, yeah. have your friend buy a copy, please. Um, do you think this game's going to sell well? Like, you know, it's not reviewing off the charts. I'm trying to get a sense of it, but like playing it in my mind, it's like, man, this... Are people still hungry for killing zombies? I would think no, but I think Dying Light 2 sold pretty well. I mean, the first well, Dead Island sold like, gangbusters. Last of Us is tearing up the HBO charts, you know? like That's what I was going to... Think, I think we might underestimate how much attachment there is to the Dead Island name, given that that first game was like kind of mediocre but still sold a bazillion copies. Like, my, my friend from high school, when I, like you know, posted on Twitter that I was playing this. He was like, oh, I have so many memories of playing Dead Island in like 2011 or whatever. Weird. Yeah. Also, we talked a little bit at the beginning about tone and like that is maybe the thing that's like sort of at least for me and maybe YouTube Ben is like clicking in for me and making me actually want to engage with it. And I think it's because even though there's tons of zombie media, there's not really that sort of like late 90s I don't know, like Shaun of the Dead zombie humor. Like that's not really around right now. And I think maybe that's why it appealed to me is because it's like, oh yeah, zombies were fun for a period of time, but now they're horrifying. <laughs> well, that's which what's is weird. Too. Well, I'm thinking about like, you know, the Dead Rising series. And I was like, all right, this time yeah. we're giving it our all. This time we're giving it our all. And it seems like even Microsoft push it, pushing it can't couldn't quite get it over like the sales hurdle to make it a slam dunk. So it's weird that then this 
<laughs> has that appeal where even by Dead Rising 4, people are like, all right, I get it. I've had enough of this, I think. Yeah, it, it's such a strange brew yeah. of like what what a mainstream audience would want from from their zombie fiction. Right. It's like some stuff that sticks out like most of us were probably more interested in the dying light section because we knew that, you know, that was Techland and then they were the ones who made the original one mm-hmm. and like that probably goes over the heads of of the mainstream audience but then the tone, you know, whether whether this is what works for people or whether it's like yeah i've i've seen the last of us now and this looks goofy to me in comparison um it's it's i would be i would be surprised if it if it if it does sell well i think it's going to be one of those weird sleeper uh examples where it's like wow that sold way more than anybody heard about it yep. um i think what i want and and i desperately want this if anybody can hook me up is I just want like a live feed of this game at Walmart and just to see how many people are picking it up and looking at this thing at Walmart. Because I remember like, uh, I think on the 8-4 Play podcast, before Days Gone came out, Mark McDonald over there, he's like, dude, Days Gone is going to sell gangbusters. Like that Walmart crowd, they will buy a game with zombies, or pardon me, freakers in it. And I feel like this thing might be that same thing of just a lot of people walking by it on the shelf. They remember Dead Island 1. Like, yeah, absolutely, I'll pick it up, so... Curious to see what is it. the monthly? I for some reason the uh, NPDs. Yeah, like I I bet it'll be on the NPDs. I bet it'll yeah. be like top ten. Yeah, right? yeah, I would think so. By the way, they're not called NPDs really? anymore. Officially, they oh, have me. a new name that no one can quite remember. Freakers, um, freakers. That's <laughs> N- NFD. I think. Uh-huh, that's right. Uh, I'm trying to get a sense. Like I I'm happy this game's out, and I'm happy it's better than we all were expecting. Are there qualifiers Jacob, here? Jacob nailed it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is there a level of like, hey, this game's solid, but like, let's not let's not lose our mind with praise here. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's it's yeah. kind of it's a very it's a I'm, and Jacob maybe you can speak to this more than me, but it feels very much like a like a candy game. You know, you just sort of consume it and you're done with it, and maybe you don't. It doesn't linger with you very long, but like it it's solid. You know that that's it 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 does what it sets out to do pretty well. Yeah, yeah it's like. I, th- I think Game Informer gave it like a 775 mm-hmm. and it's like this is yeah. like the best 775 you know like I really <laughs> I really don't think it, you know game scores are so kind of skewed high that that seems bad but it's like that's exactly what this game deserves and it like does it great yeah yeah that's a great way to put it Dead Island 2 uh, Leo's favorite next gen experience although it is available on last gen if you want to buy it there and check it out it's a weird one yeah I'm curious to hear what the community thinks overall about it do you uh, think there's a better definitive next gen game that I would feel the power of my PS5 for playing Rift Apart I, I was ready like to Ratchet jump on Clank. you and make fun of you for that Leo but I was like ah oh, this guy hasn't played God of War it's like well that's cross gen I know. it's like yeah this guy yeah, hasn't played, played Horizon Demon it's like well that's cross gen <laughs> yeah right I mean it's like it's Returnal, Returnal. Honestly, Eternal's I think Eternal's not a visual powerhouse despite being an amazing game, you know. It's still Ratchet and Clank, I think for me. Unless I'm forgetting something big, like and that's not the Yeah, most... I mean one of the 3 PS5 exclusive games. You got Ratchet yeah. and Clank. Uh, well, I mean Bot, if you count PSVR pencils. now, buddy. Uh PSVR 2, there's a couple more squeezing. There's Call of the Mountain, Leo, answer the call, buddy. <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, he hung up. Oh, gee. Uh, there is another game out by God. Uh, this one's called Minecraft Legends. Uh, again, announced a little while ago. I was really looking forward to it. Uh, just as a fan of the RTS genre, I'm just curious to see how people tackle it. And it, it is in that arena of like a Halo Wars, where it's like, 
Well, I like my RTS games on PC. Keyboard only, the way they should be, like Touch Type Tale. Uh, but I'm always just curious <laughs> to see how people try and tackle it in the in the console space. And so this is... Kyle, you've played a little bit of it as well? Yeah, probably like 45 minutes or an hour. Okay. My kid. Um, what's scale of 1 to 10, how brutal legend do you consider Minecraft Legends? Ooh, yeah. This is something I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, it is... Scale of one to ten, like a seven. Maybe? Seven on the brutal legend scale. Okay, right. Because like the thing, the difference here, I think, because brutal legend is like you would, you would zoom out and not really be playing as Eddie at times, if I remember correctly. Trying to remember, <laughs> but this feels like you're always, you know, the character. Yeah, and then you are, you're sort of commanding from the ground. Where brutal legend did feel like. You could go on the ground and fight, and that was an important part of the game, but you did also spend a lot of time just like floating above everything and being and directing things. Right, right. Um, and so this one, yeah, it's like, I think it's a clever conceit that like, oh, your character is issuing commands, because it's always messy. If you're playing a character in RTS, how are they commanding everything? But it's like, oh no, it's all through music. So you're playing a loot to technically command everybody and build everything and do all this wonky stuff. But um, I feel like I'm burying the lead. Jana Garcia seemed to really enjoy her time with this game, at least early on, she was raving about it in Slack, and she had a good time, like, uh, playing 1v1 uh, against her partner, which seems interesting, but Kyle, what's your take on Minecraft Legends so far? I mean, my... I I don't know if I'm going to go back and play more. Yeah. And it's not because it's like I was offended or think it's really bad or anything, but it's just like, it wasn't grabbing me in a big way. Yeah, I think it's more interesting... (laughs) to think about just as an RTS fan than it is for like, I'm eager to go back to it because it's a yeah. funky idea because I don't know, Leo, I might win you over with this. If you remember, this is a game that's co-developed by Blackbird Interactive who made your precious Hard Space Shipbreaker game okay. uh, from last year. So here we go. But then the, the weird thing is it's an RTS that's an open world RTS. Minecraft Legends is more of an open world game than Dead Island 2, which is not what I expected going into this episode of the podcast. But it's like you're controlling the character and then you're just roaming around the world and different camps and towns are being attacked by this pig army. And so you either have to fend off the invasion or go attack their town and stuff like that. And so like yeah, it, it actually re- it feels almost you, you recall Brutal Legend, I think is a good pull. But I almost was kind of thinking even Pikmin more. Sometimes yep. But of you like know, you sort of. Yeah, build troops to take with you and then you sort of direct them where to go on the ground like directly but that is my biggest complaint to think of the game so far at least where i'm at right now which is like a couple hours in is i feel like pikmin the controls are so breezy it's just like oh you whistle and you can summon everybody there i feel like i found a lot of situations in this game where i was like losing my army and i needed just like that pikmin big whistle of like bringing everybody around because i'm like i know i have 20 guys in my army they're kind of scattered across the hills of this minecraft world how do i get them all i guess it's not too hard to like build a little spawning thing and make them come there but you and you have to because you can press x right to like sort of do that call thing but you have right. to be near them to get them to Yes. Yeah. To you? Okay. yeah. You need to be right next to him, or you have to build a little thing, and then you can spawn him there and whatnot. But it, it's just bizarre to have like fast travel in an RTS style game where you're jumping around this world trying to defend everything. Um, so uh, some some highs and lows in here. I think it's a really cool idea, and you know what? Like it's freaking Minecraft. Everyone will play it. It's on Game Pass. Like if it gets kids into the RTS genre, I absolutely can't complain. But it, it is telling. Good. Like it, it looks look good. better than standard Minecraft to me. Uh, huh. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah you think it's, kids should play RTSs. I think it would help this nation. 
I absolutely do. But it is, I mean, it's a larger conversation, but it is a weird spot for the artist genre to be in to be like, everyone is trying to put a twist on it to make it more approachable. And I feel like we've been in 20 years of people being like, it's an RTS, but with a twist, just trying to get people there. I mean, even Blizzard was trying it with, I mean, Warcraft 3, the original version of that was ironically called Warcraft Legends. And that was like cameras super close to the characters. So I feel like everyone's trying to pivot to try and blow up that RTS genre. And outside of the MOBA spinoff world, it's like Clash Royale, maybe the most successful example of trying to expand the RTS world. Clash of Clans. Are, are we to the are we to the point where an indie RTS is going to come out and it's just going to be like this is just a straight up old RTS and then it's going to sell like a hundred million copies? I wouldn't put it past it, but I feel like the weird thing is Age of Empires Four kind of did that. That's like as classic yeah. as you can get, and it ruled. And I want to say culturally, and nobody played. Well, it. that's the thing. But every time I look at Steam uh, charts for Age of Empires Four, it's like it's holding its own. Like it is doing a lot better than you would think, just based based on the conversation surrounding it. So. It's a weird thing. Um, I, I would like to try like a 1v1 match or something in Minecraft Legends to see what that's like. Because any RTS campaign I'm not crazy about. But uh, curious to hear everybody's thoughts on Minecraft Legends. Leo, this is my strategy whenever I play a game that I'm not over the moon about. Is I end the conversation by going, I'm curious to hear what everybody else thinks about it. Um, so everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. jump in those comments. Let us know what you think about this. Gosh it's very possible for someone to like this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of which, Disney Speedstorm racing onto <laughs> store shelves and early access right now. Uh, Kyle, this is a game that I feel like is near and dear to our heart because we went on the Game Informer cover story for Disney Infinity 3.0 and Sumo, strangely enough, the team that was also developing the middle era of Dead Island 2, uh, they developed a kart racing game in Disney Infinity 3.0 that was surprisingly good, but no one knew about it or cared because it was buried within... Disney Infinity 3.0 and you needed some unlockable physical thing to get there, yada, yada, yada. And we yeah. were in the camp of talking to like John Vignacchi about like, why don't you just, if you just released a Disney kart racing game, it seems like a lot of weirdos would buy it out there. This this never got beyond me sending an email of like, wouldn't this be a good idea? But like even at Game Mail, I was like, can we just like take that? Like, <laughs> like when I was at Game Mail, which publishes licensed games, I was like, there's like a Disney kart racer that nobody knows about. Can we just like buy that and sell it? <laughs> Yeah, that didn't go any further than that. That's smart. That's smart. Uh, so Disney Speedstorm, it's free to play. I don't know about you, man. I was looking for it for a while on the eShop, and I couldn't find like the free to play version. It's all just like standard pack, foundation pack, and all this stuff. And I'm like, where's just the download for the free version? Yeah, I was going to ask you this too. I was like, is it not free to play? Like, I thought it was free to play. I am confused. Maybe early access, it's not, but I couldn't find it on yeah. the eShop at least. That's what I read in our MinMax Discord full of very smart people. Oh, is that right? Is that early access is paid, but it will be free to play. Mm. Okay, okay. That's an interesting strategy. Has anyone else done that? Not a not like a weird flip, right? Yeah. Um, like they've gone free to play later after they want to get some more juice in there. Fall guys, right? Right. But, yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, happen. it's a I think it plays well. Uh, it's Gameloft who developed it, who also made the Disney Dreamlight Valley. So it's weird to see kind of this. Ubisoft sister studio like leaning into Disney in a big bad way instead of just doing typically mobile stuff but like Dreamlight Valley I understand it has its uh, amount of fans and amount of detractors and all that stuff but Kyle what do you think about Speedstorm so far? Yeah I thought it, it plays well. Yeah, uh, I, I like the way it plays I like the way it feels I like the way it looks the soundtrack is uh, funky because oh it's my like God. techno Disney music like there was the, the one of the early tracks I played was like, I forget what it's called, but it's basically like 
Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. The M I C K E Y. Yeah, yeah. And it has this like funky techno version of that Mickey yes. Mouse Clubhouse theme song. Um, and really, I mean, really, I've played like th- four or five races. Maybe the only thing that sort of scares me off is everything happening outside of the races. Yep. Where yep. it's like, ah, there's like different. I'm leveling up different things. It seems like there's different currencies. It's having a suggested level to play this race it's letting me borrow mulan for one race and like all that (laughs) stuff is like kind of rubs me the wrong way but i I, the the racing feels pretty good yeah i'm in exactly the same camp as you and it's interesting thinking about this and thinking about uh lego 2k drive coming out i think the next month there um where it feels like you know we don't know what's going on with lego 2k drive but it's a 2k game so it seems like there's going to be plenty of microtransactions in there playing the first couple hours in that preview they don't shove it down your throat too much out of the gate but it does feel like it's weird for 2k and lego and disney to like they saw the headline like three years ago about the sales of mario kart on switch and they're like how do we how do we get in there and kind of just make a grosser version where we can really (laughs) ring these people for all they're worth uh, but I mean, that's the thing is like in this version, at least I haven't been too horrified. It's just like, oh, it's a fun game to jump around some races. And then every system and currency outside of it, I'm with you. I'm like, I don't even want it. I'm going to press a as quickly as I can without looking and understanding this UI. Cause I don't want to <laughs> oh, get God, I spent $50. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it's like, it's a good thing that like the game's target audience isn't vulnerable at all to mm-hmm. those types yeah. of schemes. Like they're, they're pretty canny. They're able to understand what borrowing Mulan versus buying <laughs> Mulan means. <laughs> it is, I was confused. Cause early on, it's like, which character do you want? And I'm like, Mowgli, Mowgli freaking rules. I like the idea of him in a little cart. Um, where he says, what is that line? He says, don't worry about me. I'm as fast as a bear. <laughs> All right. That's, I guess, what Mowgli would say if he's racing cars. Um, and then it's well, like... forgetting over the shock of cars, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then it's still like, no, you're Mickey Mouse. And it, like, I was confused about the part where I actually get to play as the character that I chose in the beginning. Yeah, I was like, I picked everyone's favorite character, Elizabeth swan thank god there's two pirates of the caribbean characters in here that's right and not any number of other characters i would want to play as but yeah then it's like oh i guess i'm mickey i don't know it's, that's that's the free-to-play side of it that i'm confused by you know it's just are different the, menus and stuff yeah are the cars cars represented no not yet that would be a fun twist is when they eventually do that yeah they're pretty they're and starting they out try people they'll get there they got like guys is is this a situation where an indie developer is going to come out and be like i made a kart racer but it's just a kart racer Mm. nothing else and then it sells like 100 million copies (laughs) no because we're all just buying mario kart 8 over and over and we're perfectly happy Uh, with it (laughs) they're the best version exists and it's fantastic it continues to be i do think lego 2k drive is going to sell really well like just I, I I'm optimistic about that game. I will say I think this one feels a little better to play. Like having like oh, really? the hop okay. is nice, and just having like the uh, the drift, and then you get the boost coming out of the drift, which feels like yeah, that's what you want from an arcade racer like this. But Lego Two K Drive, no boost out of the drift. I don't know what they're thinking here. Uh, but then it's kind of cool. Like you build up your little boost meter in Disney Speedstorm by like driving your car on like a glowing blue rail. So it's kind of like this weird grinding that you do. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how this thing evolves. But there's cool stuff in there. Like, you know, there's a, for all you Disney nuts out there, they have like a Steamboat Willie course. That's kind of cool where you start out in a movie theater. And it's a bunch of just like 
I don't know, weird figures eating popcorn with 3D glasses on for some reason watching Steamboat Willie. And then the course like goes through the theatrical screen and then it's like all a black and white world in the race course until you come back around to the theater. So there's cool ideas already, but we'll see how it gets buried here. Um, That's it. This is easy. We're freaking flying. We make gaming podcasts sound easy, you guys. Agree? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Leo's mic was cutting out, but you know what? Nobody's perfect. Uh, Kyle, do you want to clap out of here, dude, whenever you're feeling so obliged? Yeah, let's do it. I don't do this often, so it's exciting for me. Enjoy. <laughs> okay, warping in for the first time through snaps, we have Sarah Podzorski. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Um, have you lost any sleep thinking about that herb stream we did yesterday? I lose sleep thinking about how many games I've tried to play as a child with just abysmal tutorials. Yep. Yep. And how they were just allowed to shovel out games that kids couldn't even get past the first level. Yeah. If they and we were just okay with it. Yes. Yep, and if they had playtesting back then, they would have seen children try to jump out windows uh, just with the level of obfuscation here. Yeah, Sarah had the great idea yesterday during that stream of, she said that publishers should just send out apologies for their old games. Like, wouldn't that be the greatest <laughs> PR move of all time? Is like, hey, you know what? This publisher, all of these games and all of these levels and all of these sections, we are officially apologizing. It's like, you know, when the country's like, yeah, you know what, Native Americans are bad they need that for just certain levels that's that's oh you are bad yeah, just yeah. Clear. Clear. That, right oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes more sense uh sarah I had a pause uh, like there. a like a like a notes app apology for the blind yeah. king game yes yeah or yes. Like, you know those like mesothelioma ads where it's like if you were in this building at this time you might be caught mm. you might be like you might need compensation i need that for all the Horrible games I grew up yeah. with. If you tried to play co-op the herb sims in the city on the same screen with that split screen UI, that's on us. <laughs> uh, all right. Should we jump into this dredge stuff, Sarah? Yeah. Okay, cool. But just to be curious, did you watch that Nintendo Indie World thing? And we can talk about that after that. I did. Hot damn. All right. Dredge. We talked about it during our GDC podcast um, a little bit with Jill Grote. Uh, she was red hot on it. I'm trying to remember if anybody else had played at that point. I think maybe uh, Imran had started it. But uh, Dredge, this is the Lovecraftian fishing game that was one of Sarah's most anticipated at the top of the year. How much have you played so far, Sarah? I played, I'm like, I want to say like five hours. I played five hours, but it's hard to track how far you are in the game itself. Hmm. Because, yeah. like, I run a very successful fishing operation. Of course. But a very poor Eldritch Horror investigation <laughs> business. Yes, yes. I'm in, <laughs> in that same camp of, like, I really am enjoying my time with this game. But especially early on, I feel like they keep just throwing quests at you. And it's like, yeah. I, do, I don't know if you understand how compelling just the core loop is of, I just want to go out and fish and get more money and then come back. If that was just the first four I hours of the game, I'd be the totally delighted rested fisherman i go to sleep <laughs> on time every night you'll never catch me out after dark and i feel like that's not how i'm supposed to be playing right because there's some there's some stuff you can only get after dark right yep, yep. and they want you to get a little freaked out because it is scary mm -hmm. out there at night when you just have that beacon that small beacon of light off your ship it's like i don't know what's going on in here certain things might not be real but have we all been playing dredge just to set the table a little bit yep god dang yeah, I, I played an hour, but wasn't having enough fun to continue. Now, what's wrong Sorry. with you, Leo? What was wrong? I'm, 
I want to hear scared? more from this conversation and how how the game develops after the first hour. Yeah, and if it does, because just the core fishing wasn't really doing it for me. Really, but it's a little cute mini game for every fish. Did you notice that? Where you press A on the highlighted part of the circle, right? But sometimes you got to like exactly. shift it up and down. Some people as you go enjoy around. that. Yeah, it's called game. Mini game is kind of an overstatement. <laughs> Teeny tiny game. Yeah, it's it's a micro game QTE experience. Yeah. Kind of. mm-hmm. But like, then you get oh. to put it into your boat, and it's like Tetris, Leo. What what more yeah. do you want? You you fill that sucker up, and then you're like, hey, I got one more. I got one more curvy fish, and if I move those fish out, and then kind of rearrange the entire boat. Maybe I can fit that in, get another 15 Eldritch bucks or whatever. Yeah, and unlike your precious uh, easy mode in Resident Evil 4, you don't have your little automated right. uh, attache case thing here, Jeff. Okay, uh, first of all, I never, of I never use the auto s- all right, sword, all right. you smartass. All right, uh, check out the deepest dive uh, for context. Uh, Jacob Keller, how much have you played a dredge? I've played like seven hours. Um, wow. I, I feel like I'm probably about in the same place as uh, as y'all. I've been trying to do more. I've been like, okay, my ship is good enough. I should like start doing things. Um, <laughs> and 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 I've been getting a little more frustrated with the game as a result. Um, but it's like the. I feel like the if you take away all the Eldritch stuff, this is just one of those like gameplay loop games yep. where it's just like I do things, I get a little better, me getting better is going to make it easier for me to do things repeat a mm-hmm. million times. And it's like I'm super susceptible to that. You know, like I like I like how my fishing speed increases and then I can catch more fish. Yep. And that's that's it. But I've been kind of trying to find things around islands and trying to dredge things when there are like monsters that I have to avoid. And it's, it's losing me a little bit. I was like super hot for the first three hours. And now I kind of don't have the same pull to keep going back. I, I hear that. I definitely had that arc as well where I was really hot out of the gate. And then like kind of that second Island cluster where it's kind of like the tall, stones and you're starting to get messed with by bigger creatures and stuff and it's like okay i need explosives to navigate this stuff like i i am just frustrated with this game every time my ship takes damage which i i get you have to do but like if i brush up against the side of an island and then my twin engines get damaged and then i just have to like go one mile in an hour back to home base all the way back what i understand Mm -hmm. later on that's probably the thing you do get like a little uh, a little ability to warp uh, to one location at least which helps but like every time i just damage my ship a little bit it's like god damn it this is so frustrating or even like when there are those big monsters in the deep it's like what what am i supposed to be doing with this like i'm trying to explore and enjoy the fishing and i'm just getting wrecked by these huge things uh is the takeaway that we all just want to be playing a cozy fishing sim and we have to deal with Eldritch stuff instead? <laughs> that is weird. I, I think Or I want it to of- be more linear. I want it to be more linear horror because like, I don't feel like the monsters are scary, yeah. but they're so fast. I don't have time to be scared because they just like one hit me. Right. They just kind of go right. boom and I go Pff, and I'm like, oh, my ship. Like I don't there's no like building of tension. Mm. Yeah. It, I except mean, at my- night. Right. That's the night stuff is my favorite because that is the the like I can catch just one more fish. Oh, God, it's 8 p.m. And like the dock is a really far away away. And so you're like in the middle of the ocean at like midnight and you're seeing Mm -hmm. fake tankers go by or whatever. Like that's that's really good. And I like it because that's playing with your kind of like 
the greed of the mechanics you know it's like Mm -hmm. i want another fish but it's going to put me in danger whereas like i have to go to this island because this old guy told me to retrieve a watch and there's just a big sea serpent that smacks me every single time i go in there yeah it it is not it's like i'm not i'm not a eldritch horrored by that big fish i'm just annoyed I do think there's kind of, you come out of that curve. Like, I'm in the second to last island area, and you have some tools to help you deal with some of the big stuff, which does help. But I'm fascinated by that idea, Jeff, of like, the hook of this game is fishing game, but Eldritch Horror. But then it's like, well, is it just that we want a fishing game like this? Because there's not that many just like really well-designed little fishing game experiences like this. Yeah, yeah, it- I I guess I'm in the same boat that everyone else same boat as everyone else. Um it's it's just the progression the progression is a little wonky and it's it's like I spend a lot of time looking for one specific resource that that I'm kind of like I'm bottlenecked for all yep. of my other upgrades yeah. and I'm supposed to be getting the explosives but I don't the guy who's supposed to give them to me won't give them to me until I get him something that I don't know where it is and it's I feel like maybe if all of those kind of things were a little smoother, I I wouldn't mind as much um, that there's also monsters out there. But um, yeah, I definitely hear you. Where there's something about just kind of the on ramp that's like just it's so close to being fantastic, and it's just some some tweaks of some numbers and some hints there. But I've definitely had to Google a fair bit of like, wait, where am I supposed to go? What is this exactly? But I feel like this is overly negative because like. Overall, I'm still really enjoying my time with the game. And like, I've been playing on Steam Deck, and I think it's an awesome Steam Deck game. I'm playing it while riding a little exercise bike in the morning. It's like, it it has such a satisfying gameplay loop that it's just like, every once in a while, you'll you'll scrape the bottom, so to speak, of just like, oh, I wish this was designed a little bit better, but there's so much here that's awesome. But Sarah, is it about what you expected? Um... I guess I was expecting it to be a little more linear on story. I wasn't mm. expecting so many quests. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. it was going to be a little more like guardrails on it a little bit. But I I really enjoy, you know, what they did with it, that they took a swing at more Eldritch Horror games. It's a really unique idea, and I just appreciate it based on that alone yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, and there are moments... I mean, you could probably guess it, but there was a moment just my last time playing, which, you know, I've been playing for quite a while and I hadn't seen this yet, but just like something in the water emerged and it was a genuine like, whoa, like I love this. There's so much cool stuff in this world. It's for a small little game. Yeah, but Black Salt Games, that's Dredge, available damn near everywhere, I think. I know it's on Switch and uh, Steam at least, and I believe consoles as well, but. Uh, All right. Hey, uh, Nintendo Indie World. There was a showcase uh, where they showed off uh, a bunch of stuff. And boy, you knew it's an indie world because those announcers were flinging puns like their life depended on it. Uh, Whatever just, whatever was loosely affiliated with what they were seeing, they just had to lean into cat puns, lightning puns. It's just... If you want to see, like, a a crack appear in Ben's psyche every 45 (laughs) seconds, just watch that reaction stream where you were, like, you were, like, holding your head and groaning as they said, like, you'll be shocked to see this lightning power. I just don't get it. It's been years (laughs) of this. And, like, Nintendo, like, the Treehouse, like, I love their writing. I'm a pro-pun kind of guy. Listen to this goddamn podcast. You know what? But it's still just, like, 
no one's smiling. And after years <laughs> of hitting these same styles of jokes over and over and over again, and I promise you, the only person who maybe smiled once is the developer. That's the best you're going to get. And everybody else is just lightly annoyed or lukewarm water to these puns. Yeah, puns have their time and place, but it's like specifically the the category of pun, the uh, the common rarity of pun. The yes. Leave me alone. The excellent <laughs> things of this nature. We just simply don't need to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we also see what theme of the game is that you're showing off here. And uh, yeah, we were all expecting a bunch of farming games and then going into it. The secret that we didn't anticipate was cats. Cats was the theme for this Nintendo Indie World. They were all over the place. But uh, Sarah, what's that to you from all the games shown here? Um, I was really excited to get a date on the Minico Night Market, yeah. the first game they showed. What's weird is that I've been following that game for a pretty like a few years, pretty long time. They've yeah, they, been like, they showing it off on social media. 2018, I think, is when the first trailer launched, at least. And I think they were teasing it before that, and you know? We, what's weird is that they had a date for the Switch. And I was like, oh, okay. So I like checked Steam. No date on Steam. Mm. So I don't know if like, it's just like a Switch launch for this game. Also, is it maybe it's just, you know, they're a small team. They haven't updated the Steam store yet and whatnot. But yeah, I, I'm curious about that too. But yeah, September 26th is when Miniko's Night Market. I feel like every Nintendo Indie World over the last five years, they've showed off this Night Market game. And it always looks cool. Like, yeah, I want to sell stuff in this weird world where they worship a cat god. The art's fantastic. But uh, yeah, that seems great. Um, Leo, what was the star of the show for you? Check out that new Of Loathing game. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's like West of Loathing was uh, the last game that the studio released, which is kind of that indie RPG, silly uh, slapstick RPG is the way they frame it. Did, did anybody it's play? Like, it's like the stick yeah, figure game. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the way to get people to remember. It's like the one with stick figures. Right, yeah. right. Uh, the the West of Loathing felt like a Fallout New Vegas in the way that it was really stat based and that had impact on ch choices you were making in dialogue and your exploration and stuff. Yeah. And then the turn based combat was kind of there, but honestly wasn't what made me interested in playing it and kind of, you know, not exciting. Hopefully there's your ways to avoid it in this one. Yeah, and so this one's called Shadows Over Loathing, where it's also stick figure based and all that stuff, but it's uh, like in the 1920s. And oh yeah, I forgot that's out today. Like it's out, it's out now for everybody. So I definitely want to check it out. Um, yeah, they also showed off Oxenfree 2. That was probably the biggest thing that they showed there. New trailer for that, and they said that uh, it's coming July 12th. Um, which hey, and Blasphemous 2. Yeah, that's that's, that's that big really one. Good. Yeah, what uh, what is your experience with Blasphemous? Uh, I beat it um, when it when it came out in oh gosh I don't know 2019 2020, um, but it was like I, I I think it's probably one of there are a lot of those kind of like 2D Souls like games, um, but Blasphemous I think is one of the more popular and well regarded ones, mm. uh, and it's just like it has a really 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 cool art style and and kind of design aesthetic and like big gross bosses like in a souls game but it doesn't feel like they're ripping off souls aesthetics um and that's also you know it's like i don't think we knew much about that game and it's like hey it'll be out in a couple months yep. so that's out also cool in the summer yeah blasphemous 2 is the name of that thing uh also excited to see paper trail that weird paper folding puzzle game that's coming out in august apparently there's a game 
uh, called Little Kitty Big City uh, that is coming out relatively soon. I forget if they put a date on that one, but it's seeing that, it's like, oh, man. They must have just seen, like, the sales for Stray, and they got dollar signs in their eyes thinking, like, oh, my God, can we coast off the success of Stray a little bit for this thing? I was... I was looking that up to send a trailer to my partner and there's like there's only one the Nintendo one like the one from today wasn't up yet. And so there's only one trailer from a year ago for that game. And it looks, you know, identical to how it looked in the Nintendo trailer. But it, yeah, so they've been making it before Stray came out. But okay. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, yeah. After the wild success of Stray, I'm sure they're excited about it, about the prospects. Uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk which is that uh, Jack Ryan radio-style game coming out August 18th. They revealed that. That's nice. And then Rift of the Necrodancer might be the one that I'm most excited about. Did that catch your eyes, Sarah? I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, but hang I'm on. I'm glad that they're still... I'm glad that they're kind of switching up what they normally do. Right, right. Um, yeah, and just having that amazing soundtrack in a music rhythm game. But then the part that I didn't expect is there's sections... And they say they're like special minigames for each character where it just f- looks full on like Rhythm Heaven, which, Sarah, didn't you say you'd never played Rhythm Heaven before? No, I've never played Rhythm Heaven. Oh my god, Sarah! It feels like a very Sarah game. It is so damn good. Um, so maybe this would be your first foray into that style of thing, at least. Who can say? Uh, but yeah, other games that stood out for you, Sarah? Um, I really liked Animal Well. Yeah. I played that at Summer Games Fest last year. And the developer, that was when it opened with the developer and Dunkey. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Dunkey. And I will say, <laughs> the developer is exactly that kind of person in person. Okay. Like I'm like, he's not acting. This is just how he was when I met him at Summer Games Fest. And what was that? So how did you define that? Just very kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but like, not like, just kind of like, like flat toned, but not right. in a bad way. Right. You know? I was, Matter of fact. I was just struck by how weird it is. Yeah, so uh, Dunkey had that big mode publisher that he opened up, um, and they're publishing Animal Well. And like, yeah, bringing it to a whole new audience just with Dunkey's channel, which is cool to see. But then it was just weird to see like a physical version of Dunkey stepping across rocks, kind of doing physical comedy in the background of this thing. Like, hey, it works. It got people talking and about it. And you could it. tell it was probably Wisconsin because of the snow. Mmm, interesting. Do you know if it's like a Wisconsin developer or something? No, Dunkey's from Wisconsin. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh. He's from the Madison area. We all know this. Yeah, we know yeah do you know from. this? Wait, how would you know that? How would that come up? Because there's not a lot coming out of Wisconsin, Ben. How dare okay. you? <laughs> all right. Claim it was one of your own. Uh, but yeah, that seemed uh, that seems promising and, and cool. Let's see. Did they put a date on Animal Well? Early 2024, I guess is what they're saying for that thing. Um... That's basically it. A lot of little things. You can watch our whole recap if you want to see. But anything we missed that anybody's excited to talk about? Okay. Jeff Fong. Switch Pro. That's right. I guess they talked about the Switch Pro, but let's just keep moving yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like I, everyone was screaming, hoping for more Hollow Knight, Silk Song stuff at the top. But no, it, that's... It's like if that was if that was in a mainline Xbox showcase as it was last year... It's like, it's not going to be in a Nindies thing. You know, no disrespect to the Nindies, but that's like one of the most anticipated games out there right now. Like right. that's, you know, that's that's going to be knocking with the biggest trailers of uh, Summer Games Fest or whatever. 
Yeah, we know what to expect from Nindy's conferences at this point, and it's always a very pleasant watch. That's right. We know Nindy's. Um, Sarah, speaking of a pleasant watch, um, it's been a little while, I'd say since April 1st, but there's a game that Sega officially released called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, and as MinMax's number one Sonic fan, how did you take this announcement and the following game? First of all, yeah. just the absolute arms race of April Fool's jokes for video game developers gives me so much stress. Like it used, yeah. it used to be that you could just be like, haha, like what if we made a dating sim? But now you have to be like, haha, what if we made a murder mystery? And what if it was real? Like what? And then we put it on Steam for free. They really like, killed him. <laughs> yeah, and we actually killed Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, it used to just be, yeah, a fake mode, and now it's like, oh no, people actually have to have to implement this mode. This is going to take mm-hmm. a lot of hours to put together. Probably a decent budget, because like, the weird thing with Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog is it's the best-reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog game ever at this point. Like, I mean, on Steam, at least, it's sitting at overwhelmingly yeah. positive, which I, I don't even know if Sonic Mania is at that on Steam. Uh, and you played this weird thing? I did. The game is free on Steam. Uh, it's about like four to five hours of gameplay. It is a visual novel of it's Amy's birthday. So mm. she invites all her friends onto this train and she's throwing a murder mystery party. You are playing the character. You're kind of like a waiter. It's your first day and you're a waiter and your character's really cute. The writing in this game is just adorable. Really? Um, yeah. So you go through kind of like the train cars you know, to unravel this, like, fake murder, which may or may not have turned out to be a real murder. You're, you're unsure, but it's just really well-written. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. There's a lot of cute references to other Sonic games. They've got, like, Chows in it. Um, Ooh, really? And it's not all visual novel. Like, when you do your, like, Ace Attorney, like, I accuse you with this evidence, this evidence, you have to play, like, a runner. Like, a little, like... <laughs> Like, top-down 2D runner with Sonic, where it's like, you have to ask yourself, what would Sonic do? Weird. And the answer to that is, Sonic would run. <laughs> so you have to, like, do this, like, 2D runner to collect enough rings to, like, present your evidence and move forward. Oh, yeah. And it actually gets kind of tricky toward the end of the game. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cute twists in it. It's just... it's a, You can tell that it's a Sonic game made by people who like Sonic, which is probably right. why it reviewed well. This Nobody who made that game didn't like Sonic. Even though they had to murder him in the course of the game. I mean, that's the yeah. part that is mind-boggling. So it seems like it's, like, the developers listed as the Sega social team. And it's, like, the person who's it running is. the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account that kind of, like, spearheaded yes. this whole thing. I saw her talking Katie, about it. Katie, the social manager for Sonic the Hedgehog, like. spearheaded this entire thing. Um, the devs from, like, Dream Daddy are working on it. Yeah, like, there's somebody from We Are managers. OFK, like, also is working on it. Like, it's I mean, just, if, mm-hmm, if I was Sonic's social manager, I would also dream of killing him one day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but just the idea that Sega can okay the release of a game that's called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, that is unbelievable that they let this happen and that people seem to like it. And it's like, it has boosted Sonic's reputation in a big way. It's like... Just mission accomplished on every front for that team. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable to see. It's wonderful. Get weird with it. Lean into how weird your uh, community is. Yeah, exactly. No offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sarah... Not taken, Leon. Not taken. Yeah. <laughs> cute little diversion, or is there any universe where this would be on your, like, top ten list at the end of the year? I mean, 
it, there's just so many good games coming out I this get year. It. I get it. It would I definitely it. fall in a category, but I don't know if it'd be like top five. Top okay. ten probably. Maybe not top five. Okay. All right. And just to be clear, uh, it looks like uh, Sonic Mania is sitting at recent reviews for overwhelmingly positive. So at least tied. But it is alarming of like, okay, I know people like Sonic Frontiers by and large, but like the two Western developed Sonic games are like gaga. Everyone just loves them. And then the rest of them, people like north of tolerate at best, it seems like. Uh, hey, Jeff, um, Jeff Margiafava. It's me. Do you know how this whole thing operates? Um, Sonic Murder. Sonic Murder, that's Sonic right. Murder. Uh, which you can find at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. If you type that URL into your browser, I promise you Sonic will be murdered. Find the tier that is right for you. Thanks everybody who has jumped in recently. We greatly appreciate it. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters. I was so excited about this one. Uh, Factor. Y'all know Factor? Well, you're gonna after this. Uh, Factor, it's a meal kit. They send it right to your house, a bunch of these things, but even using the word kit might not be accurate because it's just individual things ready to be microwaved. Like if you're feeling too lazy to pop in, like, oh, cooking your own meal, having it dropped off your doorstep, this literally could not be easy. It's, hey, here's delicious, somewhat complicated food sent to your house. You put it in the microwave for two minutes and you are completely good to go. Uh, with factors. So they dropped a bunch off and it's just uh, delightful stuff. Like, you know, for lunch today, I had the spicy jalapeno beef bowl. Two minutes in the microwave is fantastic. Uh, chorizo chili is another option they have. And then they also just sent a bunch of smoothies that also are a standard for factor here. So if you like healthy food, but also you just want it as fast as humanly possible, I'm talking two minutes in a microwave and it'll taste good, uh, Factor is a good option for you. They say it's America's number one ready to eat meal kit. You can help, uh, it'll help fuel you up with fast and ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and tackle everything on your to-do list. Every single thing, we promise. Uh, with 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45 plus add-ons, including breakfast items like egg bites, smoothies, and more. Uh, they offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, source 100% renewable electricity for our production sites and offices and feature sustainably sourced seafood in our meals. And you can head to factormeals.com slash minmax50. Use code minmax50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code minmax50 at factormeals.com slash minmax50 to get 50% off of your first box for Factor. There's a link in the description. Um, hey, do you all dare me to taste this Chug Factor it. smoothie on air? Chug it. Chug What's the flavor? It. What's the flavor? Uh, mango. And it's 100% plant-based. So. Gee, I would yeah. hope so. <laughs> Delicious. Believe it or not, this tastes good. Thank you, Factor. Help support them. They'll stick around. Uh, also, thank you to our friends over at Sunday. Sarah, how's your lawn looking this spring? They killed it. Okay, well then you need Sunday, Sarah. Everybody wants to have a nice lawn, but I, I assume everybody's in that same camp of uh, being dumb like me, where you just think like, there's probably something I could do other than trying to water this thing every once in a while to actually get a great looking lawn that I could frolic in and roll around in. And you know, Jeff, um, other things you like doing in your yard, such as... 
uh, having a picnic. Having a little picnic in that yard. Uh, that's where you need Sunday, my friend Jeff. Um, you've owned your house for a while. I bet your yard could use some work. I don't see it that often in the summer, but I'm imagining it's a disaster. That's right. Which is why full of booby traps. And <laughs> that's right. Poop piles. That's why you need Sunday to help you out. Uh, Sunday is everything you need to get the lawn you've always dreamed of. They emphasize that this spring. You can go to GetSunday.com slash MinMax, enter your address, specifically to get a customized plan created just for your lawn, which is a funky idea. They know exactly what the weather's like, so like, hey, we'll take care of exactly what you need for your lawn to make it great. Sunday is easy and affordable. Some lawn care services cost more than $1,500 a year. Can you imagine these monsters? Uh, but Sunday's full season plan starts at just $109. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. You can get the full season plan at just $109, and you can get 20% off of that. It's basically like a free, beautiful lawn, Jacob Geller. You want to live on a golf course? I know it's your fantasy. Yeah, I love golf courses. Well, there you go. That's what Sunday's for, everybody. Uh, you can get 20% off when you visit GetSunday.com slash MinMax at checkout. Custom plan, GetSunday.com slash MinMax and uh, use that at the checkout. There's a link below for all this fun stuff. Uh, and thank you, of course, to our dear friends at IM8Bit. They want everybody to know about, my God, this is why IM8Bit's such a cool partner to have. Uh, because they want everybody to know about the new thing that you can pre-order in their store, which is the Super Mario Brothers movie soundtrack. Uh, unbelievably soundtrack from Brian Tyler, of course. It also has Peaches uh, as performed by Jack Black as Bowser, so uh, Catherine the community no more will be top very happy. That's right, it's climbing its way up. Um, but you can get the soundtrack uh, pre-order at I Am 8 Bits, a wonderful store. You can get it on vinyl, you can get it on cassette, you can get it on CD, whatever you want. And like, this is this is one of those things where I made a special email out to IMAPE, but like, could you send me one of these? Because I really love that soundtrack to Super Mario Brothers movie and I'd love to have it on vinyl because it's so freaking cool. But uh, if if you need more evidence that IMAPE is a cool partner to have and they have a cool online store, if Nintendo has enough faith in them, to release the soundtrack to the Mario Brothers movie with them, uh, they're probably worth you going to their store and looking at what else they have, because they are one of the coolest online retailers out there. So please check it out. Check out their online store, because they help out everybody from the MinMax community each and every week by shipping out a prize to whoever has the greatest question submitted over there on Patreon. So this week, whoever has the best question wins the three-album vinyl soundtrack to Disco Elysium. Nice. That's right. Uh, so look alive. I, 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 give me like 45 minutes to come up with the best question and I'll okay. be back. Well, I mean, technically, if you just have like an offhand question, like Leo, how you doing or something, that's technically in the running if you're on the show. Could so win. yeah, everybody factor in everything that Jacob Geller says because they might win the prize for IMA Pit. Uh, but you can go to IMA Pit's wonderful online store and use the promo code April Showers, no space for 10% off everything under $100. So look alive, everybody. Links in the description for all these fun things for Sunday, for lawn care, for factor, for food, and I made Bits Wonderful Online Store. Sarah, you ready for some frickin' questions? Yeah. Let's do it. Ken Houston writes in and says, uh, you, Oh, Hanson, I'm leaving. What are you talking Did about? Did you forget that I was leaving? <laughs> Why would I forget that? Uh, <laughs> surely you're going to go take care of your yard? Yeah. All right. With my Sunday package. All right. Thanks so much, Jeff. Um, bye. What are you doing? You clap. All right. Ready for these questions? Yeah. Sweet. 
Ken Houston writes in and says, now that Jeff Lum's gone, I don't know how they knew that, but they said, do you prefer for a final boss to be a challenge or more of a victory lap? The conversation around the final boss of Resident Evil 4 being a little easy got me thinking about how much I enjoy when a final boss just lets me trounce him. It's cathartic, especially if the rest of the game gave me a hard time. It's, it's a great question, Ken. I, I like the final boss that's just kind of a nice victory lap, but not embarrassingly easy. I want, like, I want the hardest boss in the game to be like three to four bosses before the final boss. Is that right? Or is everybody else out on this one? I want it to be hard. You want it to be the hardest fight in the game for sure. Yeah. I it doesn't it doesn't have to be like the number one, but I guess what I don't like is especially in a game where you can like level up or grind or you know like do a side quest to find a secret weapon, you know, it's like you do all that and then the final boss it, it's like it doesn't even matter, you know, that I leveled yeah. up all the way because yep. it was a pushover. So I do, you know, I want it to be like all the skills that I got over the game all being put to the test right now. Yeah, and I, I, I also in particular, I don't like a final boss with like a gimmick or like a twist. Like, oh, he's only mm-hmm. weak to this. Like, I like it just to be a straight up fair fight, but yeah. to have you use everything you learn throughout the game. Like, that's that's the yeah. perfect recipe. I like when they like, I think the Legend of Zelda boss fights do it pretty good where they some of them make you face all the past bosses. You like the boss rush Before stuff? you get... Yeah, so they kind of make you do like a mini boss rush, and it's like I remember when it's like a greatest hits mm-hmm. of like you going through the game and using all your different tools that you acquired. Yeah. Also, it's a requirement I think for when you're landing a final blow on a boss. I need images flashing of every character I've loved throughout the game to like I've got your back, <laughs> like that type of energy. I, I want that in every final boss as well. I'm trying to think of like recent final bosses that just nailed it, and like I was talking about it in the Discord with uh, the community, but. Live Alive, a game I loved. The second half, I love a lot less, but like that final boss is like, just like perfect level of difficulty. It's complex, it's weird, but it's just a straight up fight. It's so good. Do you know, um, this is not recent, but uh, do you know what the Dark Souls 3 final boss is? Uh-uh. Uh, because it's very cool. It's uh, it's this thing called the Soul of Cinder, and it is implied to be uh the player character from the first Dark Souls that like took Gwyn's place at the end of the game and it like switches throughout the boss fight using essentially like player tactics where it's like recognizable weapons and spells and stuff and so it really feels like it's like oh this is like a different Dark Souls player who like turned into a boss in this world. I love that because normally it's like the shadow version of the character. That'll be a boss in the run up, but not like the ultimate big bad. But I love saving that for the very end. That's sweet. Uh, Mr. Donuts. Or is it, by the way, Leo, how's uh, RE4 going? Do you think you're going to stick with that? Oh, I blasted through it in a weekend with a friend. Holy cow, really? Hardcore. It was really, really fun. You're playing hardcore? Yeah, it, it was boss fights in general are not really my thing, but it totally made it fun switching off and like cheering each other on and each having our victory moments over specific ones. Oh my God. That sounds fun. Uh, can I go to that event? Yeah. Okay, cool. You were invited. (laughs) Oh no. We kept shouting out the window. Mr. Donuts writes in, they say, Hey, I've been thinking a lot about robots and I was wondering, would y'all ever buy a humanoid robot to help around the house? Maybe just with chores or to help look after a pet. I wouldn't want it to be humanoid. What if but that's all they sold? You could like put a bucket over its head if you want to. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather it be like a little Baymax looking thing, you know? I don't want like Chobits. 
style humanoid. Okay. I want like Baymax. And Baymax just because what is, it's less intimidating, or makes you feel less not, like you can tell that it's like not a human. Right, right. I feel like it's like my kitchen is not big enough to have like another guy in there. You know, <laughs> if it's like if it's like okay, you know, me me and my partner are like making dinner, and then there's like a third robot person that's washing dishes it's like it would be yeah. too cramped i kind of just want it to be like a roomba yeah you never mm -hmm. want a robot that you'd have to say excuse me excuse me just to like get by in your house like that's at that point the robot revolution is lost stay up late and i'm walking around my house at night i live in such fear of seeing yeah. something humanoid and if that ever were to be validated my life would be ruined <laughs> okay yeah, so just seeing it out of the corner of your eye like it's cleaning up in the middle of the night and you just see it go in front of your door absolutely not what if it has like a portrait and landscape mode where you can press a button and it'll go like on all fours so you could buy a and human it'll robot. just crawl oh yeah, yeah that's not but scary it's, but it's not People a human crawl. just crawl on the ceiling yeah what's the big deal <laughs> uh, it crawls into your bedroom like i'm here for that sock you lost under your bed <laughs> oh my god why does it have to hiss uh mr donuts writes in and says hey oh they just wrote in about that uh chris wrote in and they say now that we've seen sonic murdered god rest in power sonic uh which developer do you think will be brave enough to murder one of their most popular characters more importantly who do you want to see murdered naughty dog did it they just okay so, okay. They were brave. So, hypothetically, if a character died in a Naughty yeah, Dog game, they would have just called Naughty it... Naughty Dog, like, killed one of their big characters? But then they just called the game the murder of blank. <laughs> the murder of Daxter, that's right. People might have been more normal about The Last of Us Part Two if it was called <laughs> the murder of blank. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, Sarah, you played this thing. What else do you want to see? I don't know if I need to see, like, you know, more characters murdered, but I would love to see like capcom take more swings at like fun or little stuff like mm. especially with resident evil they mm. have such a backlog of like fun characters that people really like we don't need a battle royale you know i need yep. like little ways to like experience your characters that's not like a dead by daylight clone or something that's and yeah they capcom should do like the cadence of hyrule thing of like give resident evil to small to some small indie team just to make something weird like i want a pixelated roguelike resident evil from an indie team, something like that. I was okay. thinking like a dating sim, but like oh, okay. to each their own. Yeah. Really. What about what about like a like a Mortal Kombat visual novel or whatever? Remember, like oh, Mortal yeah. Kombat used to have like a cart racing and stuff mm -hmm. in it. It's Puzzle like fighter? just just make one of those standalone. Mortal Kombat did kill Liu Kang, Zombie Liu Kang. Mm -hmm. There it is. Uh, Tokyo Game Life writes in. I like this question. Thank you, Tokyo. They say, in Tears of the Kingdom, I assume the tutorial area will start in the sky, and once you complete it, you can then dive down to the surface of Hyrule. My question is, will that first skydive down to Hyrule be one of the greatest video game moments ever? They're probably going to hit the music hard, just like the trailer, but I think an interesting... Let me pivot off of that, Tokyo Game Life. Would anybody want to bet opening tutorial area for Breath of the... Sorry, Tears of the Kingdom... Will it be in the sky or will it be on the ground? Because <laughs> the sky would sky. be... It'd be pretty easy to, like, yeah, separate where gonna, you're at. What if there's, like, opening cutscene on the ground, yeah. tutorial, and I think we're going to be on the ground, and then it might go, like, whoop, into the yeah. air. Yeah, I think we're going to see stuff. 
go come up. up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not going to already be up. That's not exciting. Right. So, but it's going to be a cutscene until it's up. Maybe that's what I'm assuming. Because there's that whole cutscene where Zelda okay. falls in the hole. Yeah. When she gets put in the pit. Yeah. <laughs> So we're oh yeah yeah you're like you're walking down into the castle and then you like wake something up and then it's like yeah well because that's what happens with the castle right it like comes up from underground right along with all the other pieces so I wonder if you don't get like stuck on one of them and like yeeted that would make sense it's maybe like yeah a medium sized island just to start you out and then something tells you that it's safe to jump off because I don't know how they gate like they can't do another plateau you couldn't really do but. I'm so curious to see how they do that. Maybe you start in that weird uh, Death Star thing that's flying around in one of the trailers. So you just can't get out even if you wanted to. Um, Zeth Hillman Johnson writes in and they said, I think old school RuneScape is secretly one of the most interesting games out right now. Is that really what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. The official uh, version. Wow. This is specifically because of how its dev team, Jagex, interacts with its community because the game is specifically meant to harken back to an old version of RuneScape. Almost all updates to the game are presented to players throughout their development and players vote on if they want these changes to happen, including, quote, should we add eight new haircut options to the game? And should we remove an accidental green pixel from a certain UI icon? <laughs> Apparently, that one was denied by the players, so they had to leave Absolutely. the green pixel. In my view, it makes Jagex one of the most community-oriented game developers in the industry and actually feels somewhat similar to the way MinMax interacts with this community. That's very sweet. Yeah, we're leaving all those green pixels in all of our videos. Um, can you think of any other game devs that have had such a close, open relationship with their community? I feel like uh, the developer of Stardew Valley concerned ape has yeah. really taken his community in stride i can't imagine he was like already very open when he was developing the game for several years and i can't imagine like being a single developer releasing a game and having it blow up to such a level and then like he worked to put in multiplayer he worked to put in mobile support he got it on switch he's been like consistently adding new stuff he like just released a patch to make like modding his game easier right yeah. Like, and he's working on another game. I don't know. I, I look up to his dedication. Just not getting, like, overwhelmed by the demands of a community can really bog developers down. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it seems like, what, he yeah, he paused development on Haunted Chocolatier to work on that new mod, which is going to be, or the new update, which is going to make modding, yeah, easier for Stardew Valley. But, yeah, that's a good example for sure. Rumbleverse had really great uh, support and communication. It was a lot of, uh, they, they seem to know, like, they've dealt with players before. And all the patch notes would go, here, here's what we're changing, here's why we're doing it, and we can always change it back or retune it, play it with this, let us know how you feel about it. Uh, to, don't jump to any conclusions, because they, like, had a reputation of, like, if something was really broken, they would get to it. Yeah. And yeah. they were just around. They would just respond to people in the subreddit all the time. That's super nice. Uh Bread writes in to say, as the MinMax community uh, Discord's resident Sifu freak, I just want to say I'm happy that Leo is playing it again. It's my favorite game of 2022. Uh, whoever's playing it, though, I'm curious, what's your favorite level? I'm partial to the club. Also, I've beaten Sifu 15 times since it came out over a year ago, and I'm not planning to stop. Please send help. Okay, Bread. Just uh, stay put. Help is on the way. Uh, Leo, you're still playing Sifu? Uh, yeah, there was an Arenas update that I'm really enjoying. That's a bunch of more specific challenges. Some of them themed after movies. There's like a Kill Bill one. There's a the raid one where you're fighting your way up a tower and oh, it's fun. like fixed camera angles that it's jumping between to be more cinematic. There's a mm. Matrix one where it's like 
slow motion and low gravity and stuff, and you're fighting a bunch of Agent Smiths. That's sweet. Uh, so it's in the normal rotation for you just to go through this arena thing. Yeah, it just feels amazing. And there's like cool new rewards too, like challenge based suit unlocks, picking a level in arena. That was my favorite and like maxing out all of those challenges, which is really, really hard. But in an arena context, this is like a multi-level parking structure where you run the same mission where you have to capture these certain zones. So there's strategy in like defeating people in the zones or parrying them and figuring out a way to like do a throw or a push to get them out of the zone. So you capture it faster without having to kill them all the way, but just learning the fastest path between there's one where I was like, okay, if I do this first zone and I just fall to my death, three floors, it's a huge time skip and there's no consequence for the way it's scoring me in this one. Yeah. So it's still just interesting decisions and feels unbelievable to play. There's nothing like it. Oh, that's sweet. Hey, you can go up against Bread to declare yourself the game champion of Seafood if you really want to, man. Do I have to pay you? I don't know. I guess not. Uh, ben Shively writes in to say, Hey, do any of you have any text slash email pet peeves? The one that is somewhat new that has driven me up a wall is when people reach out to me with a message like, Hey, I have a question for you, rather than just asking the question. I've gotten to the point where I don't respond until they actually ask it. Petty or not, I do not care. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. They'll be like, hey, how was your weekend? And I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> okay, what The nicest this? thing to do is to just tell me what you want from me. What about this? Uh, I was going to be, I'm going to be borrowing a game um, from somebody. And I, I don't text with them very often, but I knew they had Breath of the Wild on Wii U, which is what I wanted. And so sending them a text, don't don't grimace yet, Sarah. I haven't told this term. But I was like, I was just going to flat out ask him, like, hey, can I borrow your Breath of the Wild on Wii U? I was like, oh, I think that maybe that's rude. So, like, the slight reconnect and then asking a favor, I feel like you need the buffer of starting out, be like, hey, how's it going? It's been a while. Right? Or you say, that's more dishonest. Like it's more dishonest. Yeah, having a false conversation yep. where you don't actually care what they've been doing, you literally just want Breath of the Wild. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't waste you know, my time. Just unless I'll, you reconnect ask, over tell the me course what you of want. weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really take game. that person seriously. Yeah. You've got to fool them into not just thinking you want something from right, them. Right, right. I need something Even from though them. that's what you do want well, is yeah. something from them. Yeah, everybody Never. just wants things from their friends all the time. That's the point of friends. Uh, Transactional, baby. <laughs> that's right. Anybody else got any hot pet peeves? My uh, friend realized that her boss was responding to her in email about, like, problems with of chat GPT answers no. of like have a, what's a rebuttal to this argument type stuff. How did she find out? I, I guess guessing it and then asking, but what? Yeah. Of all the uses for chat GPT, that is like so over the line. That is so disrespectful to me. Wow. And these are like presumably deep, meaningful questions. Yeah, stuff that like mattered that right. my friend had put thought into. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, they that's... couldn't think of a rebuttal. They were like, "Let me get an AI to refute you in your claims." It, that is my real, you know, it's like the personally my biggest nightmare of Chat GPT is just like internet arguments where each person is writing like, uh, "Hey, Chat GPT, can you come up with an argument for why racism isn't real?" And then just like copy pasting that, <laughs> you know, and I think I think that's going to happen uh, with everything constantly. Yep. Yep. I think you're right. Oh, that's terrifying. 
And Sarah, your biggest text pet peeve is just to receive any, period? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's like, hey, how you doing? Right, right, right. Can you show me a picture you, of your just game? Just borrow library? my Zelda on Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was you, Sarah. I meant to, I meant to bring that up. Um, Travis Manick writes in and says, there was an emotional moment in your latest uh, interview on MinMex's channel with Abby, uh, Abby Heppy. Um, as an interviewer, how do you decide what to do in that situation? Do you push through and change topics, try for levity, pause, and then work them through it? I know this is a little uh, in the weeds, Travis, but I, I enjoyed that question. Um, yeah, so we put up an interview on Monday with Abby Heppy, who uh, was at G4 for a long time, and then she was there for like the formative years of Respawn, working on Titanfall, um, and then went to work on Dreams at Medio Molecule as like the head of live service there. So she's had an amazing look at a bunch of different corners of the industry and stuff. But yeah, that was the most emotional interview we've done, where there are a couple, a couple real emotional beats, and I was overly self-conscious about it after the fact on my own end of like, did I handle that well? I don't really know. Cause in my heart of hearts, all I want to do is like, I just want them to keep talking and like shedding more light on what they were feeling, what they experienced, all that fun stuff. But like, if somebody brings up something really sad or just dark for the game industry that they experience, like you feel like a dick being like, tell me more about that thing that made you feel like shit. you know? And so I don't really know. Jacob Keller, what, what is the right tack to, to use as an interviewer when somebody is, uh, sharing some raw stuff. Oh, I I am not the right person to ask for that. That's why <laughs> Leo Vader. What is the right uh, track there? What do you do? It's tough. I, I, I'm imagining neither you nor the interviewee are really expecting it to go that way. Right, right. So that's different than if it were, you know, on a WTF or whatever. The sob story. Maybe you just need to set clear expectations at the start of like how real do you want to get. That's weird. Well, that's, that's a weird thing. Yeah, that's hard, though, because I don't know. As an interviewee, I wouldn't know how to respond to if someone said, like, how real do you want to get? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's impossible. But it's like I want people to be comfortable with crying and or getting emotional when talking about, you know, emotional topics. That seems like a much more human way to approach I feel podcasting. Like if. If you are not doing, you know, like hard hitting journalism, if it is just kind of like this person, you're interviewing them, but you're friendly or whatever, mm -hmm. you could probably do a like, hey, I'll I'll edit me asking this out. You know, mm. would do you want to are you comfortable continuing to talk about this? Yeah. Do you yeah. want to switch topics? That's probably that's probably the right strategy. Yeah. But uh, it's a fascinating interview. So check it out. And, you know, as she emphasized, too, in that interview at the end she's like i don't want to be one of these people that just talks about how crappy the game industry is uh specifically for women she's like i've i've had such a great time and i've met so many great people but you know her, her kind of overwhelming theme overriding theme excluding the media molecule stuff is she's just like all it takes is one or two really crappy people to ruin everything <laughs> uh and she's like especially on, on the managerial front like if you have a bad manager it's a freaking nightmare and so that was kind of the, the thrust of the interviews but you can check it out it's an interesting chat um, Matthew Byer Walter says, Hey, my next crew, how do I make my cats like my wife more? When we hang out on the couch, the cats usually are either in my lap or by my side, leaving my wife catless. I repeat catless. I don't want her to think that they don't like her. They do. So what can I do to make them hang out with her more? <laughs> uh, I've gone through something similar 
my cats sometimes feel like they prefer me just because I work from home and my partner mm, doesn't. So okay. my cats and I smell the same. And so they're very comfortable with me. Uh, it helps, I think, to go out of town, to leave them alone with the, my partner for a while. Mm. And then when you come back... I feel back, like that's made a difference over the years. You feel like the outsider when you come back then? Not exactly. Oh, okay. Once I, the, most recently when I came back, because I had been at a place with another cat where I was playing Resident Evil 4. Oh my God. Doctor attacked me. He was biting me. I smelled so much like another cat. He was hostile. Wow. Oh what about the Hippocratic Oath? Uh, his cat's name is Doctor. Um, by the way, we did, uh, we should mention that we hit our goal uh, finally on Patreon. We hit 3,400 supporters. Thank you to everybody who jumped in. And so we're going to be making a documentary about all of our pets. And really, we say documentary, it's just, um, it's code for just lavishing <clears throat> praise and gifts on our pets and then filming it and uh, getting a bunch of cute footage and cutting it all together. So look forward to that on our YouTube channel in the near future. But thanks again to everybody who helped us hit that. Uh, the pet lovers out there, thanks for standing up, people. Uh, let's see. Uh, Victor Fam, how long will X Defiant last before being shut down? This is Ubisoft's upcoming free-to-play first-person shooter. Used to be Tom Clancy's X Defiant, and then they said... Message received, internet. This is now just X Defiant. And this is confusingly from the studio that made Rocksmith and South Park Fractured But Whole. And now they're making this free-to-play first-person shooter. Leo, you've been playing this thing, right? It'll outlive us all. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I agree. And also 13 months. <laughs> I think Leo is correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you think of it, Leo? Um, it is, you know, it's important to me for a game to be doing something new. Uh -huh. And this game is doing zero things new. It's, it's a hearkening back to a lot of people's like ideal Call of Duty era. COD 4, Modern Warfare 2, the okay. old one. And, and the response from players has been really positive in that front of like, watch out Call of Duty and cool things that gamers say like that. <laughs> but... What's interesting about it to me is that it's like the Ubisoft Smash Brothers game where all the factions are from different Ubisoft games, but it's so missable. I feel like a lot of players would not even know because the maps aren't labeled. You might go, oh, this is from The Division, which I remember because I played it, but otherwise it doesn't say it anywhere. But the factions oh. are labeled like the Far Cry Libertad faction or oddly the Ghost Recon Phantoms faction, which I was like, that wasn't a game. Why are these called Ghost Recon Phantoms? But it was a game. It was an online game for like two years, 10 years ago. What? For some reason, that's the starting Ghost Recon faction. Do they have Splinter Cell stuff? Yes. Oh, all right. Echelon. But again, at this point, <laughs> there's no recognizable characters, even the unlockable skins. There's only one that I recognize from the division of like, oh, yeah, I guess that was a boss. So you said in Slack that you were playing it and you weren't enjoying it, but you kept playing it and you can figure out why. It's it's tuned to your brain. You're hooked up to <laughs> electrodes playing this game. <laughs> okay. You spawn and you run and you kill someone and someone kills you and you spawn and you run and the same thing happens every five seconds. And it's like hard to break away from that, even if while it's happening, you're like... What am I doing? Is this fun? Right. Is this what I want to spend my day on? Because the guns like do feel good. They're like weighty. The animations are good. It is satisfying to get kills because it plays all the right sounds and gives you the hit indicator and stuff. The yep. ults are three kills. The time to kill is super, super low. So you're going to get lucky even if you're not very good. I'm being brought back to my Modern Warfare 2 days just hearing you talk about this. It reminds <laughs> yeah. me of Valorant, like what I felt playing Valorant. 
Yeah, like it was so dialed in for just like making you feel good. Yeah, where you're like, I don't know if I enjoy this, but let's just play one more round. Right, right, right. Yeah. Sarah, I would love to watch you play Valorant. I feel like you have like a I'm whole... I'm not that good. Yeah, that's you're probably better than most of us at least. But like your whole Riot side of your personality, <laughs> like you play in League and stuff. I just, I want to see you in a competitive multiplayer environment. And I feel like I haven't really seen it yet. I don't think you watched my Pokemon Unite stream. Oh, no. That's terrifying. That was like a terrifying flashback to my League of Legends days. I, I still, there is a, an ember within me that wants to get into Pokemon Unite and get weirdly serious about it. Uh, but you know what? You, you missed gotta, your, your first three months opportunity. Yeah, you're right. That ember, it's like that episode of the Pokemon show where they're trying to cover up Charmander's little tail as it's flickering out. That's really what's <laughs> happening here. Um, Leo, pop quiz, roller champion, still online, right? Still online. The new oh, season, yeah. no roller pass, no battle pass this season. Oh, okay. Good new side season, or bad you, side? You get a certain yeah. amount of fans that unlocks like a random roll of something in the daily shop. Mm. So it is a content uh, downgrade. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, Victor Fam, I'll say X Defiant is going to be like 0.8 the lifespan of Hyperscape. I think so. I think that 13 months, that seems that seems reasonable. But you know what? We were all pessimistic about Fortnite before it came out. Genuinely to call it right now, I think it's going to do extremely well. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. Just because it feels good. I think it's it's free and addicting and team based. You'll get your friends into it. Kids will like it because it's got pretty colors and stuff. All right. But it's also more serious than Fortnite, so that's cool. Yeah, and people are going to be getting just the word ex-defiant tattooed on their back around the country. It's going to be sweet. Um, Dustin Davis writes in and says, what's the most embarrassing case of mistaken identity in public? Like when you think you recognize someone and call them by the wrong name until they turn around or get closer. Uh, So I have one, uh, which is a slightly different version of mistaken identity where I was uh, I was going to a movie and I, I have I'm on the AMC Stubbs a list uh, everybody when you go in uh, you have to show your ID to prove that you're there and I went in and I showed my ID and the guy said hey do I recognize you and there was like a long pause and then I said I make YouTube videos at the same time as he said, you've been to this theater before. (laughs) (laughs) We all need a moment like that to humble us. Yes. I was was very humbled. Bring us down. Absolutely. At a Christmas party, I saw in real time the classic case happen to someone else of through across the party. Somebody waves. Somebody on the far side waves back. The person on the far side was not being waved to. <sighs> the person on the other side was saying hi to their friend who they then continued a conversation with. And the person People on the far side awkwardly put their hand down. With reckless abandon need to hold themselves accountable for whoever <laughs> waves back. Yeah. Like if you're gonna wave in like a crowded area and someone else waves at you, at least smile at them. Right. You know, like take responsibility for the human interaction you put out there. I agree because it left me as the only one who could help. Oh. Did you just was, start waving to, at the other guy? I I was just I was just standing there with the other person and we weren't talking, so I was like, "There's this isn't going to leave my mind. I need to confront this." And I said, "Hey, 
I saw what just happened. <laughs> I want you to know I've been there. I just feel the need to communicate with you on that. That I see you. And I like how you had to share the burden of their shame with them. Yes, You're in an man. effort to help, because I know it's not a great position to be in. You're a good man. God, it was um like the day before my wedding, we kind of like invited people out to a brewery in my hometown. Like, hey, swing by, whatever. It's more of a loose, casual thing. So we didn't like shut it down or lock off a spot. We're just all outside. And so there are other guests at the brewery there and whatnot. And at a certain point, my mom's like, she's like, hey, that table over there, that's Roger and Catherine Harris. Like they, they used to change your diaper when you were little. I'm like, oh, I don't really remember these people. She's like, they would get such a kick if you went over there and said hello to them. And I was like, okay. And it's like day before my wedding, surrounded by friends and loved ones, had some beers in me. I was feeling great. So I'm like, yeah, okay. And so like, are they in the blue and pink shirts over there? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, great. So I walk up to the table. I'm like, hey, Roger and Kathy, Ben Hansen. What's that, Leo? My diaper's stinky. <laughs> I said, my <laughs> diaper is stinky. Um, and the people looked at me with horror in their eyes. Like, what are you talking about? And then the other two people sitting at that table are like, uh, Ben, uh, we're we're actually Roger and to Kathy be fair, you've never met them. You were a baby. Well, I mean, they were probably around when I was young too, but I certainly haven't seen them for like fifteen years at least. And then I just made awkward chit chat for thirty seconds, then pulled the rip. Nobody laughed. Nobody laughed. No, Nobody even threw you a bone. No real laughter. No bones thrown. Uh, then the worst. Walked back to my mom. My mom was full beat red. Like my mom was deeply she didn't embarrassed. Even she was so embarrassed. But in my defense, there are four people at a table. And I said, the blue and pink shirt? And she's like, yeah. Turns out they were both wearing blue and pink shirts. But I was looking at the people that were facing us, not the people facing away. So it was just like this horrible nexus of awkwardness. And we, I feel like this is a great, like, Minnesota manners moment yeah. of of just like this this minor foible being something that mm -hmm. like your mom is going to embarrass or remember yes. as like you mm -hmm. embarrassing the family for decades. <laughs> yeah, we had to call the wedding off. It was it was a nightmare. Um, that is a messed up thing for a parent to do to a child to say here's yes. this person from when yeah. you were a kid because it's like how does she feel? Well, this is so funny, was it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe mom. I was old enough to form memories, maybe, but it's I don't think about my parents' friends, right? Yeah, I haven't dwelled on that experience once. <laughs> uh, Gabriel Narisco, uh, Narcisco, I'm sorry, writes in and says, Hey, friends, long time, first time here with an important question. Why do we pluralize emails but not mail? Because um, I have too many emails. Right. And I only get spam mail. Mm hmm. Hmm. I think that is exactly If the I were to say I have too, too, too much email right now, would that make sense? I would let would it fly. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't cock my head if you said it i'm looking yeah i don't know it's it's like maybe an improvement like we like having plural words so so email's newer so we're gonna take it also at some point we can just drop the e it just it's all mail right it's all the same thing right uh colton so we could add paper to the word mail yes and yeah p mail and mail uh, Colton Partlett writes in, they say, after I beat Dredge last week, I was thinking about what other genres or gameplay loops could benefit from a scary and unsettling atmosphere. My personal choice would be an old school 3D platformer like Mario 64 or Banjo-Kazooie. What do y'all think? What genre could like get that's gotta exist. It's gotta. It's gotta. I can't think of what it is right now, but it has um, to. But it exists. There, there are like haunted levels to like a hat in time. 
Okay, okay. But it's not like scary. I was thinking, you know, I, I know I know that both Minecraft and Terraria have kind of like dabbled with horror, mm. but like a mining game, just just like a game where you're digging deeper. A completely obvious. I mean, I've I've talked about this like a weird number of times, but there is this flash game called Mother Load that I was obsessed with where it was just it was 2D and you were a little like minor car and you would go down and down and like it got creepy towards the bottom and it was great you know it's like underground is scary yeah mm-hmm. for sure um yeah googling scary 3d platformer uh the number one thing that pops up is pumpkin jack which does rule and is a 3d platformer but it's like there's no point where it's scary it's just like weird jack-o-lantern man um uh, let's see people in the backstage pass watching live scary flight simulator that's interesting. That, that's just, so just me the beginning playing of flight the amnesia rebirth. Yeah, <laughs> just the beginning of like the amnesia rebirth game. But that was the scariest part. Yeah. Are you in a plane? Yeah, you're in a plane and it crashes, but it like flashes really scary things at you. Oh god. Um, I <laughs> just really like Graveyard Keeper enough. as like a scary Stardew Valley. Right. I right. really liked the tone of that game. It's not like jump scary, but you deal with like you know decomposing bodies and like you're making potions and you're doing evil curses and mm. just like something more like that yeah uh leo's immersion they write in leo you're familiar with this entity <laughs> i've come to know it quite intimately okay they say hey man max um i gaze down at the north american continent and i begin to wonder <laughs> you know hats off for people writing in with something new okay so i gaze down at the north american continent and naturally i wonder which ocean is which level? If you had to rank all the oceans from first to last based on when they would appear as levels in a game, what is your order and which ocean is the final boss? Wait, so all the oceans think... or just the ones in North America? <laughs> the so the North like American detail is confusing. I guess I all could the do oceans. the Great Lakes. Like Lake Superior would obviously be the final boss because it's terrifying. I don't, I don't know much about oceans. But Lake Erie is kind of spooky. I think Lake Superior has the most... Lake Superior is the one where you become soap if your body, if you, like, drown in Lake Superior, your body becomes soap. What are you talking about? Saponification. It only happens in Lake Superior? Something about how cold it is and how deep it is. You become soap? Look it up. Lake Superior, yeah, you become soap because of the fat in your body. That is bizarre. So everyone on the Edmund Fitzgerald is just like, you have soap made out of their bodies at this point? Well, if they're still down there. And the soap out of bodies. People who don't live in the Midwest do not understand the weird obsession we have with, like, shipwrecks in the Great Lakes. They're very cool. Uh, people, like, every lake you go to, there's, like, ten shipwreck museums. Yeah, they're fascinating. I love, like, just, we love the Great Lakes here in Minnesota. We love them, everybody. But, um, like, also, I love just the weird factoids. Like, I think War of 1812 there were actually like naval battles that took place on the Great Lakes. It's like, oh, that's such a weird thing. You never would think that that would happen. Uh, didn't make it up during the Civil War and stuff. They didn't to, dare um, come this far north. To, to answer the uh, the original question, oh, I yeah. think uh, do you, you start okay. in Indian, uh, fairly small, like a, a good, uh, good kind of tutorial mm-hmm. level. Yeah, Atlantic is the second one. Ooh. It opens up in a big way, but kind of friendlier. Pacific... Uh, the third level, like al- almost overwhelmingly big, and then the last level, kind of linear, directed, is the Arctic Ocean. 
Arctic, right. just because okay, it's it's scary. There's gonna be icebergs everywhere. Yeah, navigate them. Crazy preserved fish that haven't been alive for thousands of years. Right, right. Caveman. Caveman. <laughs> Hang on. According to Google, at least there's the Southern Ocean and North Atlantic Ocean. Well, those, are, those are. It's like if you want to divide Atlantic and Pacific into like two different ones. So they're technically only four oceans, but there are seven seas. That's the way it works. There's Five? technically one ocean. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, no, southern. The, some maps are saying Southern Ocean is an ocean. What the hell uh, are you, Southern Ocean? Get out of here! No one's ever heard of you. Go back to Mars, buddy. Um, Adam, Where's the Atlantic Ocean? Was that the second before the last one? That's the that's the there are only four, so that's the second one. Because okay. I think it's it's kind of the friendlier of the two big ones. Right. What about the Bermuda Triangle, though? Oh, that's that's, that's supposed to have like spontaneous gigantic. That's like waves. that's like the glitch zone. Right. Like you get there and it starts doing eternal darkness. Like oh, your <laughs> game save has been deleted. God, I'd be so scared if I had to go to that triangle. Would you guys just like freak out if you were there? Top 10 they scariest just, triangles like, for sure. <laughs> when we were kids, we watched so many like scary shows about the Bermuda Triangle, and it surprisingly has not affected my adult life <laughs> as much as I thought it was going to. Uh-huh. It's up there with quicksand, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Adam says, hey, Ben, I've noticed how casually you refer to your coworkers, whether they're in the room or not. Sarah, Leo, Kelsey. However, by the way, I never talk about you when we're not doing content like this, Sarah, I promise. <laughs> Um, but they say, however, Jacob Geller is always Jacob Geller, never Jacob. What's the deal with this? Do you respect him more than everyone else? Yes, I do. Great email. Yes, I do. yes he does. I can answer that for you. <laughs> um, am I alone for saying Jacob? Is it? Do you say Jacob, Leo? Um, I'd say I definitely have said Jacob in, okay. th- in close company, but it's kind of just a name that rolls off the tongue well. Yeah, it feels disrespectful to not say the full name and plus like i know you jake you're all about your brand you're like you might as well change your legal name to youtube.com slash jacob geller at this point man like this is a thing uh on the few times that my mom has listened to min max she has talked to me about it. she's <laughs> oh, like wow no. that ben he always says jacob geller <laughs> <laughs> what would have been am i so am i relatively alone in doing this i think i mean i think it's just like an it, people who know me through the internet are more likely to say it than people right. who know me. I, I don't introduce myself as Jacob Geller in real life. Yeah. I don't, I wonder if it is part of me, it's like a unconscious thing of like, you know, people, we still get so many comments of people recognizing you from your YouTube channel and be like, what do you mean he's on a podcast? Oh my God, it's Jacob Geller, the essayist. This is unbelievable. Um, so maybe it is a part of me that's like trying to nudge people to be like, yeah, this is the Jacob Geller. I hope You're it's shilling the- him. Yeah, but did I do when you're an intern? I wonder. Like, I gotta go back to like the Game Informer show episodes and wonder if I bet I That's called you Jacob Geller. That's a great question. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to stop? No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, you prefer? It? I'm not. I'm not a Jake. That's the that's where I draw the line. Okay. I, I have always introduced myself as Jacob. Okay. And why is that? I don't know. As the, the, my name's not Jake. My name's not Jake, and I'm here to say... Okay, uh, Muffin Crumbs writes <laughs> in... not say. <laughs> uh, Muffin Crumbs writes in and says, Jacob Geller, I love your podcast, Something Rotten, but, but... We, but hey, hands, uh, da- hands down, buddy, because this is going to get nasty. They say, but you're breaking one of the golden rules of podcasting. 
by not putting music during your ads. What are you doing over there? How do you not have music underneath your ads? Because the the like the ads are kind of we recorded them, but they are like dynamically inserted. So it's like, okay. I don't know. I just didn't we didn't put a musical track under the like 30 second snippets that go into the podcast. OK, player. all right. You do things your way. Just know that Muffin Crumbs is screaming while listening to something rotten that they're out there. there. Tons of podcasts that don't do. And they're all wrong. Music they're all ads. wrong. Wow, I'll tell really our friends at Blank Check that. <laughs> don't, seriously, don't tell the friends at Blank Check. Seriously, I'm really trying to seem cool for them. Just be cool, man. Don't tell them that, please. I, I heard it was because you want people to beatbox while they listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we're actually, we're doing them all to a beat, and you have to figure out what that beat is. Smart, <laughs> smart. Uh, Victor Garcia says, congratulations, you're finally getting a superpower. Huzzah. But there's a 10% chance that things won't go quite right when using it. I've listed five superpowers with their possible negative effects. Which would you choose to have? Okay, so there's a 10% chance that it's like a lemon superpower here. So, uh, flight. It can stop. Wait. Yeah? 10% like, like one out of every 10 times we use it, it messes up. Or like when we get it. When you get there's it. There's a 10% chance it won't work at all. Well, 10% chance that it will have these effects. When you get it or when you but use I, it? When you I, get I, it. I thought it was like, I'm, I'm flying 10 times a day. One of the times this is going to happen. Mm, sure, whatever you want. So they say flight. It can stop working and you'll start falling for 15 seconds before you can start flying again. <laughs> I would end up dead so fast. Like you just, you would have to shoot up straight up every time. Like you would not be able to fly anywhere close to the ground. Because you just die. Or, or just really close. Yeah, like two inches above the ground. <laughs> yeah, so you could like fly over houses, but you'd have to like hover just above the shingles as you're going over it. Uh, boy. Oh, you just get a parachute. Whenever yeah. You, fly, you just get a parachute. But if you're like 100 feet up, that parachute ain't doing anything. Like you're just going to Well, eventually die. it'll work once you get closer. I guess, yeah. Uh, invisibility. For 20 seconds, you'll alternate between being visible and invisible. So just kind of like flicker on and off. That'd probably be good. You'd be less creepy, I think. Uh, teleport, when you teleport to the wrong location, but still within three miles of your destination. By far the, the best walls? one so far? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, shape-shifting. When you try to shift back to yourself, you'll be unable to, and you'll be stuck as whatever you shifted into for an additional hour. That could be that uncomfortable. That's so bad. Okay. Yeah. Super strength. prepared me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Super strength. You won't be able to control your strength for three minutes. Touching things will crush them. Even walking around will cause you to stomp really hard and break the ground. So teleport seems like a slam dunk, but you could not be within three miles of any body of water, right? Because if you're just sent out to that nightmarish Arctic ocean. I think shape-shifting is, is the easiest one because yeah. you can fly. And the worst yeah. is you're just stuck as a bird for an hour. Which would be chill. Even normal mm. teleportation, I think, is terrifying. I mean, it's like it kind of is the best superpower. But whenever I think about it, I'm like, how would I avoid like teleporting inside a desk or something? And I just like can't figure it out. And I think about this a weird amount. You'd have to have um, like the VR vision of like the teleport thing. You need to have like a little icon on the ground and see the exact spot where you're going to land. Yeah. So it's like three miles. You could teleport like into the middle of a mountain. 
and just like dead. I feel like right. invisibility or shape shifting are the only ones where it's like you would not die using that. Yeah, right. and shape shifting, you still have a pretty good chance to die if you get eaten by another animal. Yeah. What mm. if I just pick the top of the? Food what chain? if you just turned into like a different person? Hmm. Maybe there's a, a bounty out for them. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> Jacob Geller, Sir Jacob Geller, if if you had this power and you could shapeshift, number one thing you'd shift into, would you go for another person immediately? Would you go for an animal? How many animals? Well, until no, you'd go I would person? go for a bird. But, go bird. but okay. like, you know, I think you could shift into not prey animals necessarily. Right, right. The most dangerous game. Uh, okay, what do y'all like for question of the week? Uh, calling Jacob by his full name. Jacob full name. Yep. Uh, the text email. I like the the robot, uh, but text email faux pas. That's an option. Oh, I like the robot one. Mm-hmm. I like the mistaken identity. Leo's cute story. I like the ocean yeah. idea. Uh, Sarah, you lean in the direction. Um, the mistaken identity one was fun, but so was oh. the Jacob Geller one. Okay, which way are you leaning? Both ways. Cool. And Jacob <laughs> Geller, which way are you leaning? I, look, I can't say the Jacob Geller one. Okay, so Does Leo that mean is Jacob a... also? If the Jacob Geller one wins, does that mean Jacob also gets his I am 8-bit Oh, yeah, no, no, that final? is the one that I want. Oh, interesting. Okay, Leo, tip it, man. Jacob Geller. Wow, Jacob Geller. Adam, congratulations. You just won the Disco Elysium vinyl soundtrack from I am 8-bit. Thanks for being a supporter and submitting a great I guess question. That is a... A fitting prize to win. It's like you yes. win the for favorite game of the guy mm-hmm. you asked <laughs> Perfect. Uh, now it's time for something we call Get a Little of This. All right. All right. Um, I'll go first because um, I got a self-indulgent one. But hey, get a load of this. I tweeted this out from the MinMax account and it's blowing the hell up, um, which is fun to see. Um, but somebody commented on the Max spoilers we did for the Super Mario Brothers movie, and uh, it turns out they worked on the sound team at Illumination, and they worked on the movie, and because we were talking about how the hell, with a movie filled with like 80s needle drops and 80s songs, they didn't use Van Halen's jump. It's the most obvious thing in the world, um, and so this person who works on the sound team at Illumination uh, commented on that video, and they say, funny you mentioned the song Jump, a little insider info, the first two temp mixes of the film had the final fight cut to jump, but Brian Tyler, the computer, c- composer, eventually won that conversation, and we got the power-up song in the finale instead of Van Halen's jump. Um, and believe it or not, people on the internet are outraged, because um, that's what the internet's for, apparently, and everyone's angry at Illumination for even considering using Van Halen's jump instead of the Invincibility star the, theme. Um the thing that it was it was on Twitter a couple weeks ago, I guess just like a week ago. But there is a sound a song on the soundtrack yeah. that like is perfectly cut to the Donkey Kong uh, cart thing that they instead used. Um, take on uh, me. Take, take on, on me. me. Yeah. Yep. That I I'm always skeptical of um, people when they're like, oh, it, this syncs up perfectly. We're like. Uh, being an editor, like a lot of things sync up perfectly. It's the whole like Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz thing. Like, yeah, sure, if you're high, you will find those connections. But I mean, this does add a little evidence to that that they were kind of at least pushing and hard also, for those. It's like the the last part does. It's like they like go off a jump and they disappear off screen, and then a glider opens and they come back on oh, screen. Oh, the music and is it's perfect. Like, it is 
it is perfect with that okay. and that seems so much like a you know thing you would do yeah you know what i should stop talking i haven't even seen people try and sync that up but that's nice uh sarah do you got something yeah get a load of this if you like farming games pixel art and a 90s anime aesthetic Check out Fields of Mystria and wishlisted on Steam. I see where this is going. This is the future of Index, everybody. <laughs> I got a shill when I got a shill. I am also working on the game. Uh, no release date yet. Just wishlisted on Steam. It would mean a lot to me. Leo's already done it because he's a good friend. Wow. Literally day one when I told Leo I was working on this game. Instant Steam wishlist. I had to do it on your account, Ben. Oh, no. When I was getting cream of the Steam games. I was oh, like, let me sorry. just... <laughs> Let me just add this to Ben's wish list. Oh boy, what's the name of the game again? Fields of Mysteria. That's that's sweet. Uh, get a load of this. Um, one of the best shows on TV, uh, Barry, is back. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I was just watching. I was just you know looking at Barry videos on YouTube because I remembered that the show was so good. Um, there's a whole there's a whole like ecosystem of people just kind of making like montages out of TV shows, setting them to different uh, musics and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of them are really good. Uh, so anyway, there's one that's just called Man of War. Uh, that is like a a montage of things that happen in Barry in the first three seasons. Uh, and it's great. It's really cool. And it has like 7000 views, but uh, is, is some very fun editing. Sweet. Love it. Links below for all this funky stuff. Leo, you got something? Get a load of this. Meet Your Maker, which we talked about last week. Uh, people who have gripes with it are griping that some of the bases are just impossible. They're kill boxes and stuff. Yeah. Since you don't have to test your own base to publish it, people think like that's an unfixable problem until they address that specifically. Uh, but there is somebody on the subreddit who has issued a challenge. They said, I will pay $100 to anyone who sends me a base that I cannot finish. Yeah. Let me solo so her far, vibes. That's awesome. Yeah. They, they exactly those vibes. They've beaten them all so far. And it's like, they don't even post YouTube videos of it or anything. They're just like, you see the comment and beneath it, they replied done. And then the person replies to that. Like I've watched the replay, dude, you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Why are it's they screaming really it? Thing. Can you imagine being that good and just be like, ah, the internet doesn't even need to see it. They'll just, it's more of a mythical thing if it's not happening. That's awesome. If you're just hearing the legends of their struggles. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, hey, in the Discord, community Discord, people share, get a load of this is all the time in a dedicated channel. It's very fun. Like, it's honestly, since, um, since I cut Twitter scrolling out of my life, uh, it's such a good replacement. It's just going to that Discord and just seeing what people share and they get a load of this channel. It's like, oh, it's just all the most interesting stuff on the internet, just in a constant feed, but it doesn't make you feel gross about your life. Um, anyways, uh, Forrest L just tweeted that um, a panel that we talked about at GDC a lot uh, during our bonus podcast, and I think even on the main podcast, uh, they just put the whole thing on YouTube. So you can watch uh, the talk from the Game Developers Conference with people from HAL talking about the, the many dimensions of Kirby and developing Forgotten Lands and the Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Uh, so if you want to see behind the scenes of Kirby, all that fun stuff, that talk is available for everybody on YouTube. And there's a link below if you're interested in that type of thing. Uh, thank you for watching or listening, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks to everybody who competed in Trivia Tower on Monday night. That was really fun. We had Brad Shoemaker from Nextlander on as the as a co-host. And like, it's weird Leo, it's weird to like do content with Brad because, you know, we've listened to his voice for decades at this point. And he was the sweetest goddamn guy. Like before we started and after we started, he was just like so sweet and humble. 
uh, it's just bizarre to meet somebody who's like a podcast legend and they're just like thanking me profusely for letting them be on the show. It's like, what, what are you talking about, man? Uh, but it was very fun. And so we put up the entire Nextlander community against the MinMax community. And I don't want to spoil anything. Nextlander literally invited all 9,500 of their Patreon supporters to compete in Trivia Tower and go up against the MinMax community. I won't tell you who won, but maybe you should check out that episode and feel good about yourself, MinMax community. Um, also, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon and has unlocked that bonus podcast feed uh, where we have the ad-free early version of this show in it. You can unlock this show on Wednesday and also you unlock Party Chat, which is our weekly bonus podcast this week. Haley McLean, uh, community manager, joined me for the full show. And then Game Informer's Alex Van Aken also jumped in for the first half. We kind of dove in the weeds on video production. If you like wireless mic talk, this is the chat for you. A lot of talk about video quality versus efficiency, my favorite topic to, to talk about Alex Van Aken with. Uh, so if you enjoy that, or also we dove into the weeds on Zelda lore. Um, we also we have a clip of that on our YouTube channel if you want a taste of what Party Chat is, but we'd appreciate everybody who jumped in there and unlocked that bonus podcast each and every week. Find the tier that is comfortable for you. Uh, thank you to everybody who's jumped in at the Game Champion tier, the $50 tier. This is the tier that uh, Brooke Burns joined and became the game champion of the Herb Sims in the City. And then we did the whole game championship uh, polls, uh, the whole tier bracket system on Patreon, and the Herb Sims in the City beat everything else out. And that's why we streamed it this week and had a great time. So thanks to everybody who's at that tier. And uh, thank you to everybody for choosing a game to officially be declared the champion of. You know who you are. I'm talking about Rabid Lime, who's officially the game champion of Placid Plastic Duck Simulator. Let it be known. That's going to go far in the polls, I have a feeling right now. Uh, Zachary Pliggy is the champion of Superman 64. Don't you forget it. Ted Riser is the champion of Snowboard Kids 2. Starkiller once again has chosen Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside, which I think came in number two yeah, during the game really championship close. next time. Uh, and then Joshua Ayers is the champion of Demon Slayer, The Hinokami Chronicles. And then Trampoline Tales is the champion of Luck Be a Landlord, which is technically their own game, but there are no rules to the game championship, so dive on in. Uh, all right, I think that's it. Anybody dying to plug something? Uh, something rotten, new season, Call of Duty, oh. Modern Warfare, and World at War. It's a really good season. Listen I, to it. I can't wait to hear it. And it's a Get prepped podcast. for X Defiant. <laughs> all right, there it is. Sweet. All right, thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Like it or not, goodbye. Like it or not, that's not something you say. Oh, sorry, be good, have fun, let's go, I mean. <laughs>